All right, hello and welcome to the 40th episode of Observe and Report, the show where we watch things and tell you how we feel about them, and 40 full episodes, my god. <sighs> Time to retire. Who knew that it would come <laughs> this far? <laughs> and we'd be in such a place. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being with us all this way. If it's your first time, whew, why'd you come? <laughs> <laughs> About to retire on death's door um, at age 40. But no, um, 40 episodes. Who'd have thunk it? So many years in the making. Two. Two years in the making. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, we've got a show for you. Um, We've got a big show for you. Um, We've watched a lot of things. I've watched a lot of things. Me too. Um, I know Jax has watched a lot of things. But uh, speaking of names, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Jason Simmons, uh, one of your hosts for this evening. Um, Or the morning, whenever you're listening to this. And sitting across from me, as always, is Jack Smith. Hello. And we are going to be telling you about the stuff we watched and how we felt about it. And also, you know, more things like life. <laughs> Who knows? Okay. 40 episodes. So many <laughs> smooth intros. Oh, wow, this is the worst one I've done in a long time. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I'll start with you, Jax. What have you been watching? Um, I watched um, a documentary called Maiden. Okay. Do you want to guess what it's about? Um, maiden. Maiden. Okay, so Renaissance fairs. All right, <laughs> big deal. Okay, big deal. And this is about you know a woman whose position in Renaissance fair. Uh, you know, traditionally women uh, subjugated to these kind of things. This is about a woman who's wanted, who's willing to change all of that in the New York State Renaissance fair. How close am I? You know, I mean, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> I will say. Well, God damn it, Jason. So it's not about Renaissance fair. <laughs> but it is about women changing things. Okay. All right. Um, it centers around this woman, Tracy Edwards. Um, and she got into, um, like, boat racing and stuff. It's kind of a long story. She, Her uh, dad died when she was a kid, and that had a huge impact on her. So she kind of as a teenager started really rebelling and she like quit dropped out of high school jesus and uh just started getting odd jobs where's she from uh england okay and um she was bartending and uh these guys uh who worked on a yacht were like hey we got left in the lurch we need someone to help just like you know on the boat cleaning up or doing whatever and she was Mm. like yeah sure i'll do it and she fell in love with boating in the ocean and um that sounds like an olden time tales from like 1850s whaling days or 1989 (laughs) when this took place 89 the time when whaling came back to the shores of the united kingdom Uh, i was highly frowned upon but anyway (laughs) um so there's this thing at the time it's currently called the ocean race at the time, it was called the Whitbread Round the World Race. That's a better name, honestly. The ocean race is very generic. Right. Um, there are many races on the ocean. There's the America's Cup. Uh, tons of different things that happen. <laughs> you just did one. <laughs> there are tons of different things that happen, all right? I know of at least one, and I'm sure there are many more. 
Um, so she decides that she wants to join this race. Mm-hmm. And it's something that costs, it's an enterprise that costs, you know, millions of dollars and has a lot of, most teams have a ton of money behind them and a ton of experience behind them. It's yacht racing, right? Like, yeah. okay. Yeah, that's a very um, expensive endeavor. Yeah, like sailing yacht things. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you can tell I picked up a lot of the lingo <laughs> as I was watching it. Um, and yacht so, things, floor yeah, scrubber yeah. on a boat. Um, and so she puts together this ragtag group of just all women mm-hmm. um, who had varying degrees of experience. And uh, they join this race. And they're just, they have interviews with them now. And they're just so likable and relatable of just like, they were stuck where they are. They want to see the world and go on an adventure and mm-hmm. something that, you know, everyone can relate to. Um, and it was just lovely and funny. And I cried a lot. Um, and crazy. This one crazy thing happens. I'm just going to spoil it. As this woman, Tracy Edwards, was working on a yacht, <laughs> one of the people who came onto the yacht was King Hussein of Jordan. Okay. And they got to chatting. And they became friendly. All right. As she, it takes, uh, she started, it happens like every four years, I think. And so she started raising money and stuff. And with when they were like a year out, they still didn't have enough. And they could barely even get a boat. Mm-hmm. And so she runs out of options. So she calls up King Hussein. Her buddy King Hussein. And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll sponsor you. And gives her money. I'm sure it's nothing to him. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it really isn't. But, like, what a crazy connection. Like, so I guess in my, a couple questions insofar as, like, he just walked on the boat one day like, hey, you're the lady sailors? Well, no, she had met him when she was just uh, a crew member on another yacht. Okay. And so he was, I guess, renting the yacht for X amount of time. So Mm -hmm. she was part of the crew that was on the yacht that he was on. And so he just got to chatting with her one day while she was working. Okay. And then a couple years later, and she had talked about how she loved to sail. And he was like, you should do it. And was like very supportive of her. Okay. So then when she ran out of options, he um, came to the States was like, hey. And she was like, hey, I need money. And he was like, okay. I'm sure this happens for him on a regular basis. I feel like there are 20 teams being sponsored by the King of Jordan. But no, that's extremely cool. Though. Yeah, it was amazing. Um, and it was just very um, uplifting and inspiring and sweet. Um, especially because this was a woman who um, was kind of a, a ne'er-do-well, if you will. Just kind of a little rebel. And so for her... To, and she had like an abusive stepfather and stuff. Okay. So for her and her mom was like, you've never like finished anything. You just, you're kind of not, this is going to sound me kind of a quitter, you know, she mm-hmm. just gives up on stuff. And so for her to finish this amazing thing of like this all female crew and of course all the men were shitting on her and the articles being written were just like, oh, look at these little ladies. Um, so it was really, really great. This still sounds like an 1850s whaling novel, which I'm still fine with. And then they pierced the whale arrows, and they went into it and got all the fat for the candles. You know. Like, no, it's a, it's a triumphant story, and I yes. did not know this existed. Um, and how many years from, like, her actually, like, first joining a crew to, like, running that whole team by herself? 
Um, I think she probably started joining crews when she was somewhere like 18-ish. Mm-hmm. And then she was 25, 26 when they okay. won. Because this, um, this race is incredibly long. It's almost a year. Jesus. They do it in legs. And they used to do it in like three or four legs. Now they break it up a lot longer because people would be, you'd be just at sea for like 90 days. And then you'd be in port. I don't know how long they were in ports for, if it was like a couple weeks, couple months, but um, resupply their, and like restock everything and mm-hmm. then go back out for a while because they go around the entire world. It's um, super intense. Jesus. Yeah. Being at sea, someone who's been at sea for two days straight. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, 90 Especially, days. Um, I mean, yachts granted are big, but when you have a 12 person crew. And you're sailing this like literally sailing this and you're exhausted and she was both the skipper and the navigator usually Mm -hmm. those are two separate positions so it's just all on her back um it's crazy and back breaking strenuous work pulling lines and raising jibs and (laughs) shooting booms hoisting shit hoisting mizzen masts yep sweeping those poop decks <laughs> um yeah some of the video they had it was, it was just so intense and also weather you know because that's a real thing because well, they go from like really hot weather to extremely cold like icebergy weather to storms like yeah it's crazy okay it was really great and on I what service did you watch um i just rented it. i had seen that it was coming out months ago just in like independent uh movie theaters mm-hmm. um and i had been looking out for it and i just rented it on itunes because i couldn't find it anywhere else okay it's worth the like three ninety nine. All right. Um, what you got? I watched something completely unrelated to that. Yeah. I watched uh, Death Becomes Her, uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis, mm-hmm. uh, from nineteen ninety one, starring uh, Meryl Streep, uh, Goldie Hawn, and Bruce Willis. Um, and I've seen this one since I was a, I've seen it as a child, but I've not seen it in a very long time. I feel like that's not a child movie. Oh no, it wasn't. Not at all. Um, it was like a hard PG thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was really funny as a kid and still funny as an adult so um, it's a comedy it's a comedy co- a horror comedy quote what? unquote um everyone is playing against type in a movie that you would not think these three people would be in um, so bruce willis is a poet who crochets he plays a wimpy nerd that's a doctor that's amazing <laughs> um mel street does he play- have hair oh yeah um, and it's his it's not it's not a wig or a piece whoa, 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 what? it's like back when bruce willis could still like you know pull off like hair and this is him at the, the peak of like his action movie powers like this is like between die, die hard, hard one and two Ooh, wow. <laughs> like that's cool so it's like oh dude you're like acting acting how nice <laughs> um meryl streep is playing against type as like a mean angry bitter actress love it and it's just like this is the first time that i think you'd really see her do this kind of role mm. um and goldie hahn is like playing against type where she gets i guess previously cast like a ditzy lady in right, comedies right. it's like she's like a calculating conniving <gasps> like woman who's trying to take down Meryl Streep and the thing is like all these characters are terrible people mm. like they're all playing bad people doing bad things to each other um, but it's very funny throughout like the main premise of the film being that um, Meryl Streep steals Bruce Willis away from Goldie Hawn in the late mm. 70s mm-hmm. um, Goldie Hawn sits there in anger and disappointment for years until she finally plots her revenge against Meryl Streep mm. um, we flash forward from the 70s to the 90s now Meryl Streep is much older. Bruce Willis is an alcoholic, mm. but still a doctor, um, a plastic surgeon. <laughs> of course. Um, Some messed up faces out there. And Goldie Hawn has like returned the to the world. walking around looking like a Picasso. 
he uh in the movie he gets like disbarred he becomes like a uh, mortician basically Mm. um and goldie hawn becomes like a successful author um and she is like on this tour and she looks amazing far better than she has in years and meryl streep as an aging actress in this is like well how the hell is she doing that um helps when your plastic surgeon isn't drunk well comes to find out that it's like a special serum uh given to her by like isabella rossellini um who is gorgeous in this movie Mm. um and basically she's been given eternal life Um, What? yeah basically to defy the effects of all kinds of aging okay and meryl streep takes the same deal basically um but however because they can't die uh some funny things ensue when they try to kill each other it becomes very cartoonish in the violence that occurs Mm. however um it is a hilarious fight and the special effects work that's being done is amazing like for the time that it's being done even now some of it really does hold up Mm. like as far as practical effects and visual effects and it's just like wow they did a really great job at this but um it's very funny it's very goofy and not at all scary (laughs) like Mm. it's a quote-unquote horror comedy because like things like that happen but it's a good movie to watch. I really enjoyed it. I laughed very hard at things that I would not have picked up at age five. Yeah. <laughs> movie sounds like everything I hate. <laughs> but cool. Glad you enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. Um, speaking of things I hate, I watched The Thomas Crown Affair. Why? Which one? The new one or? The Pierce Brosnan one. The new one. Yeah. Why <laughs> did you come across that one? I don't know, Jason, because <laughs> I, I, I feel like people have said that it was good. They were fucking wrong, Jason. Like, uh, it was... It, yeah, cool. I cool. came for a heist. Wait, you paid to watch this? No. Okay. I said I came. Okay. Not I paid. Would not. If I paid for this movie, <laughs> I'd kill someone. Probably Rene Russo. Fuck this movie, Jason. I wanted a heist. There's <laughs> a goddamn romance sandwiched between two heists. Pretty much. You see her boobs so much. If They're, you want to see Rene Russo's boobs, which, don't get me wrong, great boobs, then go watch this movie. 12-year-old Jason remembers those. Oh, oh ew. <laughs> I was too young to see that movie, but I saw it. Oh, it's so boring. It's so boring. It's not that great of a movie, which no. is why I was like, why? <laughs> why did you go Because I feel like people have said that they liked it. Um, I think it was Pierce Brosnan at the peak of like his... James Bond powers? Here's the thing. He looks good. <laughs> like, he looks so good. The level at which he looks is the same level of my hatred. Like, it's just, like, <laughs> is really high. high. He's very confident. Uh-huh. His confidence when he walks into a room, no woman will ever know that confidence. It is the confidence of a tall white man with what I can only assume is a large penis. (laughs) Just like, what is that? I want that, Jason. I want it. Not a large penis, but (laughs) you know what I mean. Oh, it was, he, my bra unhooked itself when he walked into that. (laughs) Just for a pop. I was just like, oh. He looks good. He was at the peak of his James Bond powers. Like, he could not be denied mm. at all, as we are in a James Bond room right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean... Because, like, the whole premise of the movie is that, like, she's investigating these 
thefts of these great works of art. Mm-hmm. But he is an art thief, but mm-hmm. also extremely rich. Mm-hmm. He could buy these pieces if he wanted to, mm-hmm. but he steals for the thrill of it. Mm-hmm. Like, cool, man. Like, why are we remaking this? Why are they we putting money sex into... on a marble staircase. And let me tell you something. It looks like it would hurt real bad. Mm-hmm. There are edges and corners. Yeah. Really? Very slippery as well, I imagine. What are you doing? Whatever he wants, because he's a rich white man oh <laughs> with a lot God. of money that could buy the things he steals. Made me angry. <laughs> like this movie made me furious, Jason. In all honesty, they do tell you what's going on. It's a Thomas Crown affair. All right. You know what? I read Art Heist, and I was in. Mm-hmm. Well, as most people would be. Good starts off with a heist it ends with one that's fun when they show you the actual heist parts of yeah, it it's it's, great. it's fun everything in between is garbage oh <laughs> so yeah that was a uh, thomas crown affair don't see it <laughs> unless you like love in which case yeah you'll probably freaking love it lame <laughs> Ugh. um i'll also tell you something about something that i did not enjoy oh let's do it i watched welcome to marwin Oh, um, another movie directed by Robert Zemeckis. That's just not good. Yeah. Um, and it sucks because the cast is awesome. Uh, Leslie Mann, Steve Carell, uh, Janelle Monae, Gwendolyn Christie, and like they're doing their best. Um, however, it takes a very serious, real subject matter that occurred, and they don't trivialize it. But I don't think they give it as good a treatment as they should have. Mm. Um, they spend the time throughout the movie, like flipping back and forth between like the animated portions of it, which are the uh, dolls that the, the basic premise of the movie, I guess I should say first, um, based on a real story of a man that was attacked in uh, Uniondale, uh, upstate New York, um, was beaten near to death um, because he mentioned in a bar that like, oh, sometimes I like to cross dress. And these six men beat him with an inch of his life, causing massive memory loss. Uh, in order to cope with that, because he couldn't afford, like, therapy for it, he started to build and recreate this town in, like, World War II called Marwin Call. Mm-hmm. Um, and he used these very, like, you know, articulate dolls to, like, recreate these images and these scenes to kind of cope with things and bring himself to, like, a point of, you know, just being better. Mm-hmm. And the movie portrays these, you know, dolls and whatnot as animated sequences where he's able to, like act out or like you know deal with his issues and they're just not good they're like way too comedic or it's just like you should decide what kind of movie you want to make he wanted to make this animated feature yeah. with like you know ridiculous like hey these boobs have no nipples how hilarious because they're dolls no that's and then not, like yeah no. and then like actually deal with like you know the, the terrible hate crime this guy went through yeah these two movies can't be in the same place oh god well it's like this was this was not well directed that's painful or written and yeah. it's just like if you want to see a better version of this just watch the documentary, Welcome to Marvin Call. Or just Marvin Call is the name of it, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, it just treats it objectively and much better and gives a better, fuller understanding of the artist, uh, Mark Hogenkamp, and what happened to him and how he's dealing with this. Um, and it's re- recent, too, from 2010. Um, I would definitely give that a, a look before ever laying eyes on Welcome to Marwin. <laughs> it's just not good. Okay. Uh, a thing that I saw that I don't think I've spoken about yet um, that is along the same lines in that it deals with a very tragic, dramatic situation, mm-hmm. but is good at balancing the humor and the pathos. Uh, I saw Jojo Rabbit. 
Oh, yeah. How did you feel about Jojo Rabbit? Um, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is hilarious, but also incredibly touching. And um, so it's about uh, this kid, Jojo, who uh, he is part of the... Oh, I should have l- looked up what they're actually called. Uh, baby Nazis. Hitler Youth? Yes. There we go. Okay. Also known as Baby Nazis. <laughs> also, in, yes. In case you weren't sure. Acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so he goes to this, uh, Hitler youth camp and he's all about it. Clearly he's like 10 years old. He doesn't really understand it. Um, and it's watching him slowly kind of understanding what is going on around him to Mm -hmm. a certain degree. Um, his mother is played by Scarlett Johansson, who I've never loved her so much in a role before. She's incredibly likable. Um, and does a great job as his mom, which I usually don't picture her as a motherly figure. Um, Fair. Understandable. Yeah, it's hard when she's like super hottie lady and then like, oh, mom. Although she's a mom in yeah. real life. Yeah. Um, and she does a great job. And so, her, oh, so her mother is uh, helping hide a young Jewish girl in their home. And Jojo discovers this. And as his relationship with her um grows closer his the veil of kind of what's going on is lifted a bit okay um and taika ytt plays uh his imaginary friend friend adolf hitler as you do of course um and it's got an amazing cast it's also got um Oh, you know, just uh, blanked out there. An amazing uh, cast. Rebel Philip. Wilson's in it. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Sam Rockwell. Mm-hmm. Um, Alfie Allen. Um, th- oh, um, Stephen Merchant. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it's a really great cast. Um, they really balance out the humor uh, and the drama of it, and you still fully recognize um, how truly terrible everything was but seeing it through kind of the lens of a child in that place at that time is very interesting. And I really enjoyed it. I really want to see it. Mm. I would have to commend the movie for like, you know, treating it as still a very serious event. Mm. However, looking at it through the whimsical nature of like a child. Mm -hmm. And that's very difficult to do. I think it's a very hard balance. And not to say that Taika Waititi isn't capable of that. Mm. It's just, you wouldn't think of him as being capable of it, totally. given, like, previous work, that he would just make a huge farce of it. But from every review I've heard, including your own right now, it just seems like it's a very well-done movie that's totally. just well-balanced and well-thought-out and well-written. And the look of it, too, is really great. It's very bright, um, and which I feel like most World War II movies are very dark, Pretty, almost like yeah. with a black-and-white kind of feeling of mm-hmm. a filter over it. Um, but this is very bright because, again, it's from a kid's point of view. Like, mm-hmm. they don't see the world in just this kind of sad black and white. They're kind of blissfully ignorant. Um, and some of the colors and everything reminded me a little bit of, like, a Wes Anderson thing. Right. Um, just the kind of color palette behind everything. It's really great. Like, from the trailer alone, you would think, like, Moonrise Kingdom or something like yes, that. Totally. Like, insofar as, like, similar setups or trailers at least like kids alone kind Mm -hmm. of like dealing with each other um but no i really want to see it and i'm very curious about it i think it's now in wide release because previously it was just like in select theaters i didn't realize that was what was the deal but yeah i think so um another world war ii related thing that i saw um we have a theme going here i guess you're Um, usually not a world war ii guy 
Um, I feel like no. this wasn't really historically accurate at all. <laughs> okay. Um, Overlord um, came out last year, 2018 film, a uh, horror slash action movie uh, directed, not direct. I don't even know who the director is. I'm sorry. But produced by J.J. Abrams. Mm. Um, J.J. Double J. J.J. Um, J.J. Abrams. Um, set in World War II, um, kind of a few weeks or like a week or two before uh, Normandy. Mm. Um, where in which a whole battalion tries to, like, to take down this radio tower, um, allowing essentially signals to pass so that the French can communicate with the Allied forces, okay. allowing the invasion of Normandy to happen. Okay. But the twist in this is um, the town where in which this radio tower is located is actually harboring a uh, a experiment to create super soldiers for the Nazis. Um, Interesting. And the battalion that drops in, most of them get murdered just jumping out of the plane. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and the last few that are remaining um, are just about four guys, um, one of them being uh, Wyatt Russell, um, oh, okay. who is always very intense in all the things that he does. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I didn't trust him this whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> to me it just felt like he's going to betray someone at some point and i don't trust them and i just was very nervous every time he's on screen he's on screen a lot to be fair and he's a handsome fella but he kind of has a betrayal face he super has a you betrayal know? face i trust it's his just... dad i don't trust him <laughs> <laughs> it's fair I, I get it um but no the uh the movie uh, is, it really does feel like a, a good, strong action movie. Mm. Uh, basically, they get there, they discover, like, you know, this thing is happening. Don't tell be- me too much. Beneath the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, this is free and available on Hulu. Mm. Um, or it's called Overlord? Overlord. Okay. Um, the cast is small, but they work well off of each other. Uh, the main character, um, I forget his name, but it saves me at this point. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up now, but he uh, was on The Leftovers, one of my favorite shows. Oh. Um, and he, his character is very good in contrast to the rest of the other characters, and especially at a time of war. He is most assuredly not a soldier mm. in the sense that he's not a good soldier, in the sense that he is trying to do the right thing at all times. Mm. He is trying his best not to have anyone die. He's trying his best not to hurt anyone. Like, it's like, how can you properly maintain your moral compass maintain your moral war. compass or be yeah. a good soldier in yeah. a situation like that and the movie takes you through his journey as well hmm, interesting um but it's good um the effects that happen when people turn into things oh um are very good so it's like historical science fiction it is historical science fiction interesting. I, I think that's, like that's cool the genre it falls into like uh, there are other things that like kind of do this things like Dead Snow or uh, Dog Soldiers where it's like hey it's a mil- it's a war movie as well as like a science fiction hmm. situation okay um, but it's an interesting one and I think very well acted I didn't hear anything about this movie that's the thing like it, I thought it was pretty well advertised actually like last yeah. November when it came out um, however it just didn't do well in theaters to the point where you couldn't even uh, rent the movie from any streaming services. You had wow. to buy it directly for a full year until recently where they finally released it on Hulu. Oh, huh. yeah, no, I'd literally never heard of it. Yeah, the movie did not make a lot of money and it didn't really make its money back at all Aww. on like video sales, but it's really worth checking out. Okay. Um, it's an That's enjoyable good. movie. Uh, oh, excuse me. Um, I watched the first episode of Dickinson. Uh, on okay. the old Apple TV Plus. How? I need to you to explain how Apple TV Plus works. How do you feel about I Apple don't TV know, Plus? Jason. 
Okay. It was just free for now, so I'm just going to watch as much stuff as I can until it's no longer free. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, so I feel like Dickinson is like kind of if you put Booksmart in like a turn of the century time period. Very interesting. Go on I about guess, that. because it's... Um, it's Emily Dickinson as kind of like a modern-ish teenager in terms of her attitude hmm. of just being like, oh my God, fuck this shit. This reminds me of like uh, Sofia Coppola's uh, Marie Antoinette, where it's like... I didn't see it. Where it is very much like of its period, yes. but like characters are acting in a way that is a bit more modern. And it has like modern music as the yeah. sa- uh, soundtrack. Um, it's... I really like Haley Steinfeld. I've liked her in everything um, that she's that I've seen with her. She just seems very relatable, um, and I don't know, a little more accessible, I guess, okay. than like big time actresses. No, nope. um, she's very funny. Um, everyone uh, has a uh, Jane Krakowski from. Oh. Yeah, yeah, she plays her her. mom, um, and she is just exhausted by her daughter, Mm -hmm. and she also has a sister who is, like, the good sister, but they're like, no, 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 you're not getting married, you're too good at housekeeping, and she's (laughs) just like, aw. (laughs) Um, It's really fun. I, there's some, like, um, magical, for less, for lack of a better term, kind of elements that are cool. Okay. Um, related to her poetry i like how they kind of um scatter her poetry throughout in a fun and interesting way um i think it's only like half an hour episodes maybe a little bit shorter than that um but so far i'm into it uh i'm gonna probably keep watching it okay um also for the listener there are people on a call at the moment so if you hear random stuff in the background it's just People doing business. We're not responsible for any part of this business that you nope. hear on the phone Mm-mm. or any kind of medical information that's being shared. Um, we didn't tell you that. We just happen to have recorders on while things are happening around us. <laughs> so don't come for me, NSA. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, outside of that, um, to move away from, I guess, period pieces for the time being, um, I wound up catching this movie called uh, The Year of Spectacular Men. Um, and... Yeah, it is a Deutsch family uh, effort. Um, Zoe Deutsch. Um, oh, I thought you just meant like German. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping on the German theme, but moving away from the time period. Okay. Um, no, Zoe Deutsch. Um, I like her. Her sister, uh, Madeline Deutsch. Uh, oh. their, their mom, Leah Thompson, who I did not know was their mom. Oh. Um, and her husband, um, Howard Deutsch. Um, yeah, this was a family affair in which uh, Madeline wrote it. Uh, Zoe Deutsch stars in it. Uh, Leah Thompson directs it, and Jesus. the husband uh, Howard uh, produced it. So, holy moly, nepotism the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's actually a pretty fun movie. Um, where in which Madeline's really the star of it, uh, and it's just really, really about her year of relationships um, after getting out of college. Okay, uh, and just about you know the guys that she's with, or the guys that she's not with, the guys mm. she wants to be with, and just in a few different cities, going from New York to L.A. to San Francisco. And dealing with that, dealing with her family and like coming to terms with like, you know, who she wants to be, who she is, what she's learned from these relationships. Um, And it's a comedy. It is funny throughout. Um, The guys that play her like love interest and whatnot are pretty like fun and enjoyable. I thought you were going to say handsome. There there are some handsome fellows in there. Guys like Brandon T. Jackson and whatnot. And uh, 
other names escape me at this point. Um, this is the only important part, and you forget. <laughs> Come on, Jason. Um, but oh, Jesse Bradford's in there. Uh, I have no idea who these people are. He, he's a he's a face from the mid two thousands. It still looks like he's in the mid two thousands. Um, swim the, the guy from Swim Fan for oh, those out there. Yeah. Um, he plays like uh, her Freddie Prince Jr. Jr. Yes, perfect. Yeah, yeah, Freddie yeah. Prince third. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's in there looking exactly the same. It's bizarre. He has an age a day. Wow. He's got those Ron Livingston jeans slash Justin Thoreau Jr. Yes. Uh, if they had a baby, it'd be him. <laughs> Cute. Um, but no, it, it was a fun. Uh, enjoyable thing it's on a lot of streaming services mm. it's on amazon it's on hulu it's on it's on all of them if you got it um but yeah worth a watch um it was a nice sunday afternoon look-see nice yeah um i watched queer eye japan how is that because i'm very curious like i didn't actually look at the trailers or anything like that i just thought like are they in japan or do they hire a japanese queer eye team because that seems <laughs> very interesting um it was the former they are in japan interesting yeah i don't know if the translator i don't know if they were like wearing earpieces to translate in real time or some poor editor was just like fuck and they had to constantly edit out the parts where things are being translated Mm -hmm. um but it's really fun and it's an interesting um study in different cultures and how they perceive um themselves kind of in society and in the world i was going to say that's a very different like yes. uh, cultural experience and i don't know it's it's one that the show's all about positivity and like you totally. know breaking down walls and all that stuff but i'm just very curious how it tackles like you know things that are entrenched in the culture absolutely and not just brought in by a situation or like an experience it's a lot of uh japanese people i feel like the it maybe this is an ignorant generalization but um it's much more of a society of not focusing on the individual but everything is for the greater good Mm -hmm. and so whereas america i feel like is very um not everything for yourself but like it's more individualistic it is it's very much like you know what can you do for you to some degree as opposed to like you know what does your contribution mean to your family or to society in general right 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 um, your first loyalty is to yourself and then everything else kind of follows. Um, and it's kind of the opposite, um, in Japan. So it's interesting for these people to talk about how, and cause most of them are doing things for other people. Um, the first one is this woman who her sister died, um, from cancer in the hospital and she was hooked up to all these tubes. Um, and I'm sure it was just an incredibly painful, tragic thing to watch happen to your sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now this woman runs a hospice out of her home to the point that she doesn't even have her own bedroom anymore. She gave that up to another person and she wow. just sleeps on the floor under a table um, because she's trying to make up for what her sister had to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just me sobbing for <laughs> an hour. <laughs> um, and this first woman is so lovable and she clearly has a real crush on Anthony to the point that she just like <laughs> touches him at every possible <laughs> time. And I was like, yes, I get it. Oh, I loved her. Um, so it's interesting. You get to see a little bit of um, Japan itself, the culture, um, how their um, gay culture is much more repressed than ours is. It's a much different experience, I yes. imagine. Yes. Um, it's like they're starting to, they're just starting to catch up 
to what at least what we're very kind of not spoiled by but what we're what's seen as a norm in new york of like of course you can be out and walk down the it's street with your boyfriend hand in hand sublimated and, into our culture yeah, where, where, where like, this you is want. the norm totally um at least in kind of like west coast east coast in certain portions of totally. the country um whereas that is not the case in japan and they're just kind of little pockets like a neighborhood here or there where you can be out and be a little more comfortable but it's really looked at upon and the way they look at women is obviously very different um and this one person was like um if a woman doesn't dress in the typical fashion they're considered to have uh like given up on being a woman mm-hmm. um it's i think it mostly applies to maybe olderish women maybe like in their 50s um it would definitely apply to me if i lived in japan they'd be like oh look at this poor thing she's clearly given she up on being out. a woman why <laughs> put on regular pants <laughs> get out of the stretchy ones come on um so it's interesting it's both uplifting um and positive per usual but also kind of an interesting sociological uh experiment in a way I feel like Karamo, being the lifestyle guy, would have like his work cut out for him there. Um, I mean, you know, I think it's maybe the least he's had to do. Actually, really, just some like serious conversations, okay, and uh, some crying and some hugging, and then calling it a day. <laughs> this is checklist: conversations, crying, ooh, hugging. Forgot hugging. Gotta do hugging. <laughs> um, he honestly, like, he just. There's a point, there's a really, the last one, it's only four episodes, because mm-hmm. when I really thought about it, like, all the logistics going into it must be immense. It's a lot. It's like the f- a filler season, almost. Yeah. Um, like, <laughs> this guy that they're helping, it's like, I, he and his wife have been married for, like, seven years, and they haven't slept together in, like, four or five years. Wow. And he's like, I don't even know if she still loves me and i was like oh my god is this gonna be like watching a relationship deteriorate this became so heavy guys um so yeah it was uh it was equally as devastating as all the other episodes but also uh delightful okay i imagine the design guy also has work cut out for him because it's just different spaces and like the size of spaces spaces yes he like. definitely got creative with some stuff and he did an amazing job mm-hmm. per usual. Karamo just cries over some gelato with a guy. <laughs> Bobby redoes an entire freaking home. It's fine. Equals. In a different country with different resources, <laughs> dealing with contractors that do not speak the same language. <laughs> so yeah, you know, he's just the remodel guy. He does so much. He's the he backbone so of the show. Karamo literally brought a guy to eat they got gelato and just sat and talked. <laughs> I was like, man. Not to say that Karamo's not doing I know work. this is important, yes. but also, like, Bobby, do you even get to sleep? He. Because you just renovated a home More needs to be said about that man's efforts and what he's doing and what. Yeah. That's all he I got to say. He fully renovated a home, Jason. In a week. In about a week. Not, like, four days. It's insane. I assume that he has to have a huge team with him. Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And he does planning beforehand and stuff, but still, it's so much work. It's like a full-time <laughs> contracting business. Like, uh, That's incredible. <laughs> Anyways, what else you got? Um, I watched uh, Jenny Slate's uh, stand-up special. Oh, I've been meaning to. How was it? It was excellent. Uh, nice. Stage Fright. I it, love her. Um, the name of it was Stage Fright. It, 
is very similar. I don't know if this is like the new trend of like a, a comedy stand specials mm. where um, it's part stand up, part documentary. Yeah, I've been noticing that lately, uh, which I'm okay with. Which I'm very curious. I'm not yeah. against that at all. It's like, ooh, this is the trauma, and this is you making fun of the trauma. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How interesting. <laughs> Like, um, no, but it's it's really cool. Um, her style, I've never seen a stand-up uh, special with her before. Mm. So I liked being yeah, able to experience yeah. her style as a stand-up, which is, like, so very aloof and, like, comforting. Mm. Like, it just takes away, like, all the air of, like, I'm a performer, you're in the audience. Mm. She's, the way she presents, it's like, I'm super dumb. I'm as dumb as anybody else. <laughs> so uh, let's get through this together. <laughs> um, I appreciate, like, her candidacy and just, like, you know, being very, very relatable in her presentation style. Um, in the documentary portions, you know, they talk with, like, so much of her family and her sisters and, like, her grandmothers and, um, you know, her therapist as well. They talk about, like, her divorce and all that stuff. I didn't even know she was married yeah. at a point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she's very... Yeah, she dated Chris Evans. She dated Captain America. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't mention that in the <laughs> documentary. When I heard that, Jason, I was like, yeah, girl, this isn't going to last, <laughs> but you get it. You ride that hot bod. That Captain America bod. Oh, girl, yeah. <laughs> like, I Thrilled. really, I can really see that relationship working out. Like, I, I'm, you know, they, I know they broke up, but I was like, you know, that, that, that works. That works. You, you both seem like they have a very similar sense of humor. You both seem very funny. Like, I appreciate this going on right here. I knew it wasn't going to last. Mm-hmm. So she just needed to use them and abuse them. <laughs> God bless you, Chris Evans. <laughs> Ride well him done. like a stallion Jenny that he Slate. is. Well done. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, no, I. Uh, it was a very good special. Um, I definitely do recommend it. Um, and yeah, just... She has a book coming out, too. Oh, does she? Okay. Yep. I'm very excited for it. Um, I like the way that there's one thing that she said to her grandma um, when she's just asking about like, so when's the next movie coming out? And Jane says, like, I don't know. The last one might have been the last one. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> and just like, yeah, that's kind of how movies work sometimes. Like, you don't know when the next one's coming. Um, you just do what you do and hope that things work out. Um, and she was just talking about, I guess, Venom. But the way she talked about yeah. it was just very interesting. It's like, well, I don't know, grandma. I got ate by an alien the last one. And I was like, <laughs> what? What was the last one? He was like, oh, Venom. You did get eaten by an yeah. alien. Wow. Oh, I forgot huh. about that. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, but no, it was uh, really good, and I do recommend it. I would love to see her just in an empty room with Tom Hardy <laughs> and just see how that plays out with her, like, nervous, hilarious, loud energy and him just confused i feel like she would make him laugh super fucking hard i would like to think so all of her i feel um, that's her game man she gets in there with those dudes it's like i'm gonna make you laugh all right she's so funny all of her appearances on talk shows are hilarious i adore her she is wild energy contained in like a five foot two frame with the most amazing hair (laughs) um i watched toy story 4 oh how was that it was fucking fantastic jason okay I was like, I've been looking at it for the last couple of weeks, being like, do I want to watch this? I wasn't super stoked when it came out, because um, I guess maybe I'm getting too old. Um, and then I was like, you know what? Just freaking, I'm sure it'll be fine. I mean, they always happen. I have no idea why I was so reluctant. Mm-hmm. And I rented it, and I was like, this is the best, because it was the heist movie that I didn't get with a goddamn Thomas <laughs> Crown affair. <laughs> It's. I think you would like it very much. Mm-hmm. It's got a couple of little horror movie elements. Mm-hmm. Um, it is kind of a heist movie. Um, and it looks 
freaking amazing. I'm sure it's a gorgeous looking movie. Every every one they put out, it just looks better and better. And even now, like you know how kind of the cars and stuff used to look a little more fake. They look a little more real now. Mm-hmm. It starts off with rain. And it just looks like you brought a camera out in the rain, and you're in the freaking rain. It's just, it boggles my mind. I probably sound like my mom, but computers. How do they do it? Those computers <laughs> are amazing. Like, I'm very curious. Um, from what I understand, I don't know much about the movie. I'm trying to avoid spoilers on it until mm-hmm. I actually see it. Um, but they managed to, uh, it seemed like the way people are talking about it, like, this now sets it up for other toys to be the stars of following films. It does. More so than like Woody and Buzz. Yes. Um, I'm very curious to, do, to see if they do what they do to Buzz in all of the movies uh, prior to this one where they kind of like make him sit on the sideline until the end of the film. I don't know if that happens or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and also from what I understand, like uh, I was going to say Tom Hardy. No, Tom <laughs> Hanks. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, is, wants to do less Woody stuff because it's just... He's in his 60s, like, yeah, and it's just fair. hard for him to do. If you, like, listen to Woody, he's always, like, yelling. Yeah, he He's is. always, at, like, a 10. and like a high-energy character. Yes, and it's just like, how often can you do that at your age? It feels like a lot for him. Um, there is another character who you've seen in other movies who is now the main character, um, and she's great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, But it doesn't feel forced. It totally makes sense. Feels like a good transition. Yeah, um... I didn't even kind of think about it until it was over. I was like, oh, yeah, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Tony Hale plays Forky, the new toy. Oh, he's the voice of Forky. He's okay. <laughs> he's, like, advertised more than Woody and Buzz and all this stuff. That's true. And from what I understand, he's getting his own show on uh, the Disney Plus service that comes out. Are you kidding me? On November 12th, yeah. Wait, as Forky? Yes, as Forky. <laughs> like, that's he will be amazing. the main character of this series. Wow cool <laughs> not sure how that's gonna work entirely but uh-huh. great you seem in support of it so i imagine that like yeah. the performance was really good i was i had little pants charmed off me jason okay i really enjoyed it um it didn't feel slow also there were toys like from our childhood i was big into poly pockets when i was a kid mm-hmm. fucking loved poly pockets jason. <laughs> i had we had a conversation about this too yes. many of them <laughs> we did yeah we oh. talked about like how they had Polly Pockets for girls and Mighty Maxes for boys. Oh, yeah. And how Mighty Max was like successful in its own way, but did not have the longevity or life that Polly Pocket did. Yeah, because Polly Pocket's the best. <laughs> I had a castle, Jason. It was purple and sparkly. <laughs> I had a horse. Yeah. <laughs> if I could find that castle now, I'd buy it. The horse idea is kind of terrifying because all the places that's open up and you can play inside of them, was the horse a thing you could open up and play inside of it? No, it was a it was a castle, and then you open up the castle, and part of it was a little, like stable area for the little horse and carriage. Oh, okay, it had horses inside of the castle. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. You thought I was opening up a horse head? <laughs> I mean, the Mighty Max toys, the way those work. Hey, let's open up. This, oh, it was like a snake. Let's like open a up a snake, snake. and yeah. like you know, let's open up the skull and like play inside of it. It was very boy centric. <laughs> it was very boy centric. I thought I would have loved the snake. Um, I feel like even as a kid, I was like. Pfft, Mighty Max. He had a very fun TV show. <laughs> they got a TV show? Yeah. What? Yeah, it was fun. It involved traveling to like different parts of the world and solving mysteries with a bird and a large Norse man. I mean, that sounds cool. <laughs> I feel like, I know Polly Pocket eventually got a show, but it wouldn't be cool adventures. It'd probably just be like, look at my home. No, it was interesting. It's like, this episode we're going to fight cthulhu this episode we're gonna go and like discover like the lost city of gold it was interesting <laughs> oh, it was how nice for you when your educational fun shows <laughs> rise 
trying to be the best homemaker I could. <laughs> Ugh, surrounded in pink. Um, anywho, uh, Toy Story 4 is really fun. Um, Key and Peele are in it. And uh-huh. they're hilarious. <laughs> I'm surprised they're not making a show with them. I wonder if they'll add them to the Forky show. Um, they're really great. They're in it a bit. Everyone was just really fun. Okay. I'm still excited to see it. Um, I'm sh- I would like it. to see it before the year is done. Please do so we can talk about it. Um, yeah, Thank it's you. probably going to be a top contender for uh, an Oscar or something like that. Oh, I'm sure. Like best animated, whatever. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, I watched uh, Dolomite Is My Name um, on Netflix mm-hmm. uh, featuring Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes uh, and Kiki Michael yes. Key. Um, I just saw this advertised recently. I've been looking for this for over a year at this point. I was very highly anticipating this movie. I feel like Netflix has done, out, for me at least, to my interests, has really had down themselves and like releasing El Camino and this in the same month as far as like movies go. Um Pretty typical Netflix style. They didn't show me much. They are trying to... Again, you're in your box. I want to keep you in your box. I also enjoy black comedy. Okay, <laughs> guys? Help me out. The only reason I even knew about it was because Eddie Murphy was on some late night talk show. And I was like, oh, was he doing it on a late night talk Which show? Which is a rarity. Yeah. In these yeah. days. I was flabbergasted. Um, I'll just say this. I was looking forward to it and I was not disappointed. Um, it was so much fun. Is it a stand-up special or a... Oh, no. It's a movie. It's a movie. Um, isn't he coming out with a stand-up special, though? He is coming out with a stand-up special, okay. and Coming to America 2 is coming out sometime next year. Oh, Lord. So it's going to be a big year for Eddie Murphy it next is. year. It is. Making a comeback. All right. Um, but no, Dolma is my name, is the uh, story of, like, the dramatization of the making of the movie Dolomite. Um, showing you just, like, you know the gumption of this character like um uh, he's playing the real life individual rudy ray moore who played the character dolomite mm-hmm. um in several dolomite movies but when it did just, they originally come out in the 70s these are like black exploitation movies okay what was it about um essentially a guy that is a pimp slash martial arts expert slash uh secret agent slash uh world's greatest fighter like, oh so my perfect job slash lover amazing like this ridiculous like everything that is um, installed into one man it sounds like it was written by like a 15 year old boy yes <laughs> that is 100 percent like what that character is funny. um and they show you like the origins of this guy of just like you know being a performer in la like you know uh doing like uh lounge shows and like you know i want to be the MC of the show, basically. And he's played by Eddie Murphy. Played by Eddie Murphy. Gotcha. Okay. And just, like, him being fed up with that lifestyle, I was like, I want something more. Like, I'm a performer. Like, you know, I can do more than just, like, be an MC at, like, you know, these two clubs, like, on weekends. Mm-hmm. And you see him, like, you know, form the Dolomite character from, like, which are basically just stories told by, like, you know, old guys in the neighborhood. But, like, these are stories that exist, like, you know, everywhere in, like, the black community. And he's like, you know what? I want to take these stories, like, you know, and these jokes and just make an act out of it. Make one character. That's cool. And, like, you know, that blows up and, like, gets more and more traction. And he's doing shows in L.A. and then, like, you know, in Texas and, like, you know, Seattle and, like, New York. And, like, just being able to tour the country with his character. And, like, you know, eventually he's like, you know what? It, there's a scene that happens where he goes to the movies with his friends. Craig Robinson, Mike Epps. Uh, Amazing. Um, God, why, why can't I remember? Titus um, from uh, Impossible Kimmy Schmidt. Titus Burgess? Titus Burgess, yes. Um, and he's going to watch a movie with them. They're like, you know, it's Christmas time. Let's watch a comedy. You know, like, let's all enjoy it. And they go, and it's like a movie starring like Walter Matthau and like Jack Lemmon. And they're just like, 
this isn't funny. <laughs> like, I don't get it. And it's like this, white guy comedy. Yeah, it's yeah. old white guy comedy. And they're just like, this doesn't make me laugh. This is not at all what I want to see. And then mm-hmm. you get the idea, like, Dolomite. Dolomite can be on the big screen. We can make this happen. And, like, you just see, like, he's so fervent and he believes in it so much. And, like, the work to get it done. The movie's just really about, like, hey, it's really fun to make things sometimes. Yeah. Like, that creative spirit, that creative energy. And, like, even if it's bad, which the movie is bad. I the watched actual Dol- Dolomite oh, movie yeah. is not good. I Aww. watched it after I watched this. It's like, oh, this movie's terrible. And the movie doesn't shy away from that. The movie's like, oh, this is a ridiculous, badly shot film. Is it film. A charming, fun, terrible? Uh, yes, in the okay. sense that you can watch it's like, oh my god, what is happening here? Like, that is <laughs> not, this is not good, but it's funny to look at. Okay, nice. Um, and there are points in the movie where like he's showing the movie to people who have not seen it before. He's like, is it supposed to be funny? <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, it's supposed to be everything, you know, funny and action and sex. It's, it's like, it has everything for everybody in it. It's like, I mean, it sounds good to me. And he has like the crazy eyes, like, while he's like talking about it. <laughs> um, but really, to me, Wesley Snipes steals this movie. He is hilarious. He's playing uh, an actual individual, Derville Martin, hmm. uh, who was an actor in like several Blast Rotation movies. But he's like, a southern dandy but also like you know very much you he know had me at southern dandy into himself i enjoy his southern accent so much he is so hilarious in this like he doesn't believe in the process at all that Eddie murphy's <laughs> doing he's like this is gonna be a terrible movie this all sucks i'm just here to get a paycheck <laughs> but like it's so he is so good in just being so not into it at all like he's drinking on set <laughs> but at the same time he's like encouraging Eddie murphy like Look, man, it doesn't matter what I think about it. Live your life and do what you want to do. Uh, the supportive curm- curmudgeon. Yeah, he's yeah. like curmudgeon about it. It's like, I am not going, like, th- is this the last scene? Awesome. I'm going home. I'll see you <laughs> by the premiere. Actually, there's not going to be a premiere. Uh, I'll see you when I see it. <laughs> like, he is playing so against type and what you think of him. Yeah. And he's really, really good in That's it. That's awesome. Um, but I just really enjoyed it. It was everything that I wanted it to be. And also a lot of film history in there. And some surprise appearances. People like Bob Odenkirk show up and like Chris oh, Rock. And it's like, cool. oh, cool. And a lot Bob of... Bob Odenkirk just pops up in everything. And though. a lot of things, apparently. Um, but it's great film history as well. Because they tell you like, well, the, this is how movies used to be distributed. Hmm. Or like, this is how the movie system worked at one point in time until like maybe the early 90s. And it's like, oh, wow, I didn't really know that at all. Or like, oh, this is how black cinema worked in like the 1970s. Hmm. Like, oh, okay. Like, it is pretty informative in that respect. Nice. But it was good and I very much recommend it. What's it called again? Dolomite is my name. Okay. Writing this down. Okay. Cool. Um so I broke down and watched The Lion King. <laughs> I really went back and forth with myself about this movie. Ooh, but boy. my curiosity, like a little kitty cat, it got the best of me. Mm-hmm. And um, do I regret it? Maybe a little bit. You paid money for this, right? Oh, yeah, Jason, I did. Okay. All right. I'm just getting the details. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> kicking me when it's I'm mistake. down. So, do I even, what are even my thoughts on this? Um... I mean, yes, it looks good. I think at this point, so many things do look so good that we're very spoiled by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at its essence, 
it is trying to make these animals look as lifelike as possible. Realistic as possible. But the original Lion King works in, as do all movies, because of the emotions and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But you can't show emotions on real, real animals because animal. they don't have emotions that show. Like a lion cried in the animated original. <laughs> How can you make a real lion cry? I don't think lions have tear ducts in that way. <laughs> Jason. So they can't show a lion looking angry. Mm-hmm. Like Scar's emotions come across better because he's like plotting or like being angry or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of wrinkle a nose and it works. Mm-hmm. Being a broody cat. Right. Also known as a cat. <laughs> um, <laughs> but for everything else, it just it looks so weird to hear an emotional intonation coming out of a blank face of an adorable <laughs> lion. It's just it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And the voice actors are doing the best they can with what they got. Um was I excited to hear Donald Glover and the first time when he you hear his voice as him singing and like my skirt fell off. Yes. <laughs> was it was in, amazing. Was and it in the Hakuna Matata yes, montage? Yes. Excellent. And he sounds like I was um I haven't heard a ton of his music, mm-hmm. but I didn't know that he had the range because that's kind of a high-pitched song oh, for a yeah, man. He, he can go high. Yes, he can. Jason, <laughs> he can go high. <laughs> high in the sky. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so all the voice actors are doing what they can, as everyone's mentioned. Um, uh, Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen do a good job. It's the Mon Pumba, right? Yes. Okay. Um I like Chiwetel Ejiofor's Scar. It's difficult because I feel like Jeremy Irons, he has a naturally a little bit of a growlier voice. It's way more gravel to his voice. Yes. So, and that worked perfectly. Whereas Chiwetel Ejiofor does sound menacing, but throughout this entire thing, you can't help but compare it to the original. Because we have the original to go from. So, it's, I wish I could watch it without having that comparison because maybe i'd feel much differently about then it then you'd be the eight-year-old child they're exactly. trying to get to watch this movie i would like as well as the adults are trying to get to watch this movie i need to go ahead in time 25 years from now and then and like show for the fourth remake you mean that they're going to make of this movie. oh god <laughs> <laughs> and then cut to me just jumping off a bridge <laughs> um oh, i need to see it though <laughs> um and just, I just want to see their reactions to it. If you show them like the animated one, mm-hmm. and see it, which they like better, and if it was still as emotionally resonant as the original, because they can't do as much with. At least I felt like they couldn't do it. They didn't do as much um, with the scenes with Rafiki, and uh, he's like Simba's like talking to his father and stuff. I those were felt at least when i was a kid like very heavy scenes that lasted a while mm-hmm. whereas in this one it was pretty quick and it's like oh got the message here i'm here i go like that it's more expensive to keep this going <laughs> you need to keep moving although i don't know like i uh, 
yeah, I, I've voiced my opinions on these new Disney remakes yeah. very often in the sense that it's one, a big cash grab. Mm. Two, in doing something like The Lion King and like you're making it look as realistic as possible, you've kind of taken away like any of the artistic expression that exists in the previous one because like you said, yeah. you can't make a lion cry. No, the, the, <laughs> all the, almost all the emotion is lost mm-hmm. no matter how good the voice acting is. Because you're going so hard for the realism. For the here. realism. And like uh, you lose it. And in the original, you know, you have things like, you know, rhinos stacked on top of ostriches, stacked <laughs> on top of giraffes, in this tower of animals that is like fantastic to look at and like breathtaking. It's so and it's bright and yes. fun. And that scene was not as fun. And they made Be Prepared the one of the greatest of all time Disney songs in my mm-hmm. book. Um, they made it into a speech because you can't have uh real-looking hyenas lined up like Nazis marching <laughs> through a cavern, <laughs> turns out. <laughs> like, So it's just that, even, it's weird to call that charming, but, like, it's so catchy, mm-hmm. and you really get a feel for, like, the depths of Scar's awfulness. Plus there's fun, like, green smoke and shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all lost, and through no fault of the actors, I feel it's just unfortunate right and yeah that's just the nature of those movies and they'll they'll keep making them yeah and they'll keep making a lot of money because the people that saw those movies when they were kids are now adults and they're taking their children to see these new versions of them yeah um i will say uh john connie who plays black panthers t'chaka Mm -hmm. in black panther he voices rafiki and i feel like he did even though it's not in the movie very much i feel like he captured the essence of rafiki from the first movie the best um and poor james earl jones i feel like he doesn't hit the emotional beats for mufasa because he did such a good job the first time that Mm -hmm. now he's having to switch it up and it just doesn't sound it just doesn't hit as well Mm -hmm. so i don't know if the lessons that you're supposed to learn as a kid are really there because it's not said the same way and it loses some of the power behind it and part of that i'm sure was like the way that he was directed oh yeah and like and he can't i mean as he was great the first time so he can't just do the same lines the same exact way right so yeah it's just that's slightly disappointing but almost expected oh it's exactly (laughs) what i expected it is absolutely exactly what i expected um but the most fun parts of the original are kind of lost because, you, as you said, you can't stack drafts on rhinos, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Which is all I want to do, all right? Yeah. I will say the hyenas were much scarier. Ooh, okay. those hyenas were scary. And uh, another Black Panther, uh, the main lady hyena, who's the really scary one, mm-hmm. she is played by um, the tall bald woman uh in like the kingsguard type of people the lady not the nagara no um no not the nagara um she's what are they called thora malaje yes she's one of them okay um she plays the main um hyena and she does a great job and she was also in the german version she's german She's oh. in the German version of Criminal uh, Germany. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm just seeing you everywhere. Um, but she does a great not German accent. Okay. 
though it would be appropriate for those Nazi hyenas. Would have been perfect. Would have been just fine. Um, sorry, Germany. Uh, but yeah, it was um, interesting because I also I had started watching. I don't know why. I think it was free. I think it was on a plane or something. Um, the live action Aladdin movie. Duh. Which again, I know it was Jason. did fine. It made a billion dollars, but still. The budgets for that Aladdin movie and this movie were wildly disparate. Because that Aladdin movie looks like it was made by high school students. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It just looks... You can see... You can see all the cracks. It's just not good. It's like... It's, oh, man. It's weird because that one is a movie made by Guy Ritchie, but you're not using any of his visual style at all no, to make this movie. it looks bad. It looks really bad. That's sad. I only got through um, the One Jump Ahead <laughs> song because mm-hmm. I really like that song. It's a great song. Um, it loses a lot of its charm, uh, <sighs> and I just couldn't do it anymore because the set looks like it was about to fall apart if they pole vaulted the wrong way. <laughs> like, they laid it on thick this year with two huge remakes yeah. of two very beloved movies that did very well for them in the 90s to help really establish Disney as the animation house that they became. Yeah. The gold standard I will say, there is a Mulan, live-action Mulan movie coming out mm-hmm. that when I saw the little, like, teaser trailer thing, it looked really good. It looked kind of dark. And at least that one has humans in it so it lends itself to live action more i think that one's gonna be a bit more grounded in realism yes. i think they'll actually be changing some elements from the it film it looks a little gritty how they're gonna do i'll make a man out of you i don't know but i can't wait and if they ruin that song i'm mm-hmm. gonna be pissed get donny osmond back in the booth or jackie chan who played the that same character in the chinese version but he can't sing <laughs> I don't think you've heard Jackie Chan sing. I don't want to. I want to hear Donny Osmond. <laughs> they can both hit some notes is all I'm saying. I want Donny. <laughs> Donny is willing, all right? He's don't you They're willing and he able. He hits those notes. Amazing. <laughs> Why they didn't call me for the titular role, I don't know. <laughs> Just because I'm the wrong ethnicity. I'm Korean, but whatever. It's fine. I have a little bit of Chinese in me. I'll work on the using the little things to get up the what is essentially a telephone pole. It's yeah, you I should can figure the, the that sash out. and this pole. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, I can do that. I just it'll be like a long afternoon. Just give me like nine months to prepare. <laughs> I got this. <laughs> I will be made a man out of Donny Osmond. Ugh, <laughs> oh, opportunity lost. Um, speaking of other remakes of things that happened in the nineties, uh, I watched Terminator dark fate oh, this past weekend jason now let me say this i enjoyed it Woo! it was it is the third best terminator movie no shit it's surprisingly good um one of my friends texted me she was like i think i'm gonna do am i crazy for doing a double feature of um zombie land and also terminator i was like "Ooh, terminator <laughs> Ooh, that might be a tough one but if it was better than i assumed it was going to be truly terrible but it's i'm glad to hear it's not it had everything on the table to be a terrible movie but mm-hmm. honestly like it's decently written mm-hmm. um the only faults that i give it really or that they don't change too much of they they go in a different direction so far as what you expect a terminator movie to be about mm-hmm. like oh john connor is going to be the savior of the future mm-hmm 
big spoilers, although this is not a spoiler oh, at all. Oh, okay. Like things change. Okay. Is all I'm saying. Um the facial effects done to mm-hmm. like DH people, whatever. Mm-hmm. To me, this is the best I've seen in a very long time. Oh wow. Um to me, I, one of my gold standards of like that technology is like when they do it for Robert Downey Jr. in Civil yeah, War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they hit points of that hmm. uh, on Linda Hamilton and de-aging Edward Furlong. Uh, oh. Which is a very interesting point. And Arnold Schwarzenegger as well. So Edward Furlong is in it? Uh, Yeah, he's in it. That's going to sound sad. I didn't know if he was still alive or not. He is. Because there are a bunch of 90s kids who were popular at the same time, mm-hmm. who like Brad Renfro, who passed away. Yep. And again, white man blindness. I, they were all just the same scraggly brown hair kids to me, and I couldn't remember. Oh God. Okay. Um, how's How's Eddie doing? Um, I'm not going to give much else oh, away other okay. than his face. I meant, is I in meant the more movie. personally than professionally. Oh, personally, he's in a rough spot. He's like on probation right now. I think like oh, he's had a bunch of domestic run-ins and whatnot. Oh, unfortunately, he's not in a good place. Okay. Well. Um, I made sure to look him up. Like, what's he up to? Oh, nothing good. Oh, okay. No. Um, but no, that aside, um, the action was quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, the best end fight of a Terminator movie that I could think of. Oh. Um, it is a five-way fight that is really enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. Battle of the Five Armies. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> um, it was, it was cool. It was really cool looking uh, at the end. The fights were very well done. Okay. Uh, Arnold's very funny in this. Um, I know yeah. people think like, oh, he can't do humor. No, he can. It's he's not actually that he quite can't funny. do humor. It's just like, I mean, he's not as bad as some other people. But whenever like he can, he was kind of a dirtbag cheating on his wife and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people, and maybe I should too, just look past that stuff. And I guess cheating on your wife is fairly common. But the way that like people adore Mike Tyson, it's just like. Oh, convicted rapist Mike Tyson? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure he's great. So, granted, that is not Arnold Schwarzenegger, but stuff like that is just like, oh, wow. The stuff that some people can look past mm-hmm. and yet others they uh, just crucify for is very interesting. Uh, but I've only heard good things about Arnold Schwarzenegger and that he's nice and stuff. So, maybe just a bad husband. It seems like he wasn't a great okay, husband. okay, dude. Like, okay. every other respect, he seemed pretty, pretty all right. Okay. Seems to be a good dad. Still has good relationships with his kids. Hmm. Just wasn't a great husband. Okay. But outside of that. Um, I've heard he's good in comedies. He was really funny in it. Um, Linda Hamilton was my favorite part of it. Mm. Uh, I want a drunk, angry uh, aunt like her in this movie. <laughs> she was really good and just like. She's in amazing shape. She, I'm it's surprised bananas. that she's not in more things. Hmm. Like, it just made me feel like, where have you been and why are you not in more movies and TV shows? Because mm. she was really enjoyable in this and, to me, my favorite part of the movie. Did you like the new girl? Um, <laughs> I Zoe love Deschanel. Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> <laughs> oh. She um, is the Terminator. It's very unlikely. Oh, my God. I would absolutely watch a movie with Zoe Deschanel as a Terminator. Wouldn't that be amazing with those big blue Jesus eyes where they Christ. actually like, shoot lasers and shit? I would 100% and she just smiles and destroys you? Ah, <laughs> oh, it'd be amazing. Um, new girl, Mackenzie Davis, is fine he's enjoyable like they try to build like this character uh interaction between her and linda hamilton where it's just like cantankerous and like just you know disagreable but it's just like "Eh, this doesn't really work like uh you two should be getting along much better than this um gabriel luna plays like the antagonist terminator in this Mm -hmm. and he's all right but it just made me think because 
this is the problem with Terminator movies. Mm. You cannot help but compare them to Terminator 2. Right. Which is so good that you don't even need to watch the first one. Right. It's so good that nothing else after it matters, really. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just this whole entity that happened in the second movie, they just can't make movies of it. Mm. So you can't help but compare moments in this to that, of which there are many that are paying visual homage to that movie, mm-hmm. where shots look similar, lines that are said that are very similar, and they know what they're doing. They try to evoke that feeling yeah. and memory in you. Um, but that being said, you know, with all those elements in there, it's produced by James Cameron's story. Oh. Uh, partly written by James Cameron. Interesting. Like He's his, a real hit or miss kind of guy. He's way more involved in this than he has been in any of the other Terminator sequels. Hmm. Yeah. Um, to the point where the other ones, he's just like, oh, yes, I'll sign off on this. Sure. Hmm. This is like, no, I'm involved in the creative process of this. Nice. Um, and I don't know if it shows or not, but it's the third best one. It's wow. two one six, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other ones take it or leave it as you please. Gotcha. Um, but I really enjoyed myself watching it. Were there any bone crackies? No, there were not. I mean, let's just talk about metal bones. I'm but okay with metal bones. No, no one got anything cracked. Nice. Uh, okay, it's maybe a lot I'll of slicing because you know terminators. But I'm assuming because it's like the molten metal stuff is like clean, like yeah. Sweet. Not a lot of blood in this movie. I'm totally fine with people getting (laughs) arms and (laughs) legs and heads chopped off. It's just you know getting a broken arm. Sure. Toad's fine. Okay, interesting. Maybe I'll check it out. Um, The only other thing I have is the assignment. Um, I've got a few other things here. Always do. Um, I'll go through them quickly. Take your time. The lighthouse. Oh, you saw it? Yeah. With Robert Pattinson and... And Willem Dafoe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. <laughs> it's weird as hell. I expected it to be. Um, despite its weirdness, it was interesting. Hmm. It's visually very cool. Yeah, um, black and white, right? Shot in black and white, very the aspect cool. ratio is similar to silent films. I uh, don't know what that means. So, like, you know how a movie looks like in a letterbox or, like, four by three, like, you know, on old TVs or whatever? A letterbox. Are you my grandfather? <laughs> Sure. You're the one who doesn't know what that means of aspect ratio. Listen, who says letterbox? <laughs> That's how it was presented. So, like, when you bought VHSs and, like, or widescreen, excuse me. I believe me. it's called rectangular. <laughs> yes, I know what a rectangle is. Thank you, Grandpa. Continue. Well, um, it is shot in Grandpa style, a 4x3. Uh-huh. Great. Kind of 4x3. Um, what are What is the typical movie now shot in? 16 by 9 Oh, okay. Which is the standard format of, like, widescreen, I guess. Okay. Um, so if it doesn't have bars on the side, you're watching 16 by 9. Okay. Um, but, yeah, the aspect ratio of this was, you know, that style. But it was good. It was weird, but mm-hmm. it was good. Um, from the same director as The Witch, um, a horror movie that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, Hard Pass. What's that? It said Hard Pass. Yeah. And I'll do Witches. I've not seen it. I just heard it was boring. Oh. Um this um there are moments where there is not much dialogue mm. where there's a character just doing a task mm-hmm. and that can be kind of boring sometimes yeah. um the main story of this is that uh willem dafoe and robert pattinson are lighthouse keepers assigned mm-hmm. by a company to take care of a lighthouse on this island in uh the new in new england mm-hmm. uh and I believe like massachusetts however um they're assigned to take care of it willem dafoe is the boss of robert pattinson mm-hmm. 
Willem Dafoe has him do all the menial jobs, like taking out the chamber pots and like they use chamber pots. Oh, this is like the 1850s. This is happening. Oh, in. yeah, okay. 19, 1880s. Okay, so you know, taking out chamber the pots. Time of letter boxes. Time of letter boxes, where the <laughs> postal service was at its zenith. <laughs> um, and he's like painting, you know, the shack or like you know, uh, changing the oil for the fuel of the lighthouse, mm-hmm. like that kind of thing. While Willem Dafoe, all he does is just like, I'm just going to be in the lighthouse, like up in the light part. Oh, so you said Willem before, Dafoe before. You, so Robert Pattinson, Robert Pattinson is doing, is all, the doing all the menial, menial labor. Stuff. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Willem Dafoe is just up King there. King of the castle. King of the castle is just enjoying the light. And cool. Pattinson's like, what the hell is going on up there? So he takes a stroll up there one night and just sees Willem Dafoe like just bathed in the light of the lighthouse, just like in ecstasy, seemingly. Um, and just like, why is he naked? What is happening here? And Do you see his dingling? No. Hmm. Uh, I believe you see Pattinson's at one point. Ooh. Um, so there's that for those who want to see that out Should there. Mention that right off the bat. Um, and uh, yeah, Pattinson over time just becomes like more and more angry. He's like, why the hell can't I see the light? The light should be mine. <laughs> and <laughs> just like this, sl- them slowly slipping into insanity hmm. on this island. Um, there are some great moments of like arguing between the two that's very funny. Um, like meant to be funny? Oh, meant to be funny, absolutely. Like okay. where they argue over Willem Dafoe's cooking and <laughs> he is heartbroken that he- Robert Pattinson does not like his cooking. Oh. <laughs> um, Wh- is it a drama? Is it is it a, a drama, like slash, not horror, horror movie almost. Okay. Um, the the turn of the movie comes at a point where Willem Dafoe tells Robert Pattinson, "Hey, whatever you do, don't kill a seagull. That's bad luck." Okay. Um, a seagull starts nagging him one day, and Pattinson just kills it out Uh-oh. there, and then everything goes downhill. Okay. Uh, they can't get off the island. They're stuck in this storm that lasts for like a week. Oh god. And bad things happen from there. Not to spoil anything. Okay. Um, I'm gonna just make. I'm not gonna see it probably because it sounds a little scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just make you tell me later. <laughs> okay. Um, Inter- and did you like all the performances? Uh, there are only two characters in the movie, kind of. Which yeah. is Defoe and Pattinson, Jill. and they are doing a good job. And nice. you get the sense of like isolation and just like you know, if I had to be in a room all day with Willem Defoe too, I too would be scared and angry. <laughs> fair. Um, totally fair. So yeah, like that that was the movie and it's it's all right. It's 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 worth your time. How long is it? Um it's like 2 hours. That's what I figured. Um it kind of sounds to me like that movie Annihilation with Natalie Portman. Did you ever see that? I understand what you're saying there. Of just not mm-hmm. necessarily how it looks or anything, but just watching people kind of spiral into madness. And also lighthouses. Oh yeah, you're right. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Um, the only I say the big difference there is that like stationary in the lighthouse and always moving. Right, right, right. In uh, annihilation. Annihilation. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ooh. side of that, Daybreak. Um, on Netflix. Um, it was advertised to me way too much. Yes, I think I saw it advertised for me also mm-hmm. a little bit. Basic premises: an apocalypse happens. Yeah, and then after that, it's about teenagers that are like left to fend for themselves in like yeah, the streets of Los Angeles. It piqued my interest with apocalypse. that really lost my interest at teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, "Oh, I'm out." I'll say this: uh, when it focuses on the main character, it's kind of boring and lame. He's just dogmatically trying to find this girl. I need to find this girl Ugh. and tell her how much I, I need her and miss her. How old are these teens? Like 16, Ugh. 17. No. 
But then we sh- when you shift to any other character, it becomes very interesting. Okay. Like um, he, the main character, the narrative style changes, the look of the show changes. Oh, interesting. Um, the it's a w- show. It's a show. It's okay. a series. Um, I believe 10 episodes in the first season. Netflix original? Netflix original. Interesting. So when they focus on like the main hetero cis white dude, it's mm-hmm. like, meh. But then you get to like, you know, a girl that's with him. And like, she tells a story like it's Goodfellas. And she's Ray Liotta. That's amazing. <laughs> and like, she's like, my whole life. I just wanted to be a gangster. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And she just like tells about her rise to power and how it all fell apart in the apocalypse. And then you move to like, you know, the former school bully and like, well, the whole time I was gay. So here's what's going on with me. Interesting. (laughs) And like his story is like narrated by the RZA from like Wu-Tang and it becomes like a Kung Fu story. Who I can now identify from seeing other movies he was in. Yes. (laughs) Very exciting. Um, and then we'll jump to like Matthew Broderick, who plays like you know the antagonist of the series. Um, he plays this principal slash like uh, Lord Humongous Mad Max villain type in the movie. Again, a guy who killed someone with his car, but everyone looks past him. Yep, people don't know about that one. That's a little bit more under the cover. Also, he was Simba <laughs> um, in yes, the original. Yes, he was, and he did a great job. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was pre-car accident. No, that was post. Really? Oh yeah. Wow, it's longer ago than I thought it was. It was like 1990 or something like that happened. 91. Oh, interesting. It happened a while ago. I mean, he did do a good job. <laughs> forgive him. Just took a life. Um, huh, okay. Or look at one character and it's like, oh, she sees the world like it's a TV show. Um, like, you know, she's an actor in a TV show and they're going to call a cut. That's cool. And like she's, a, like she's Mr. Belding in Saved by the Bell or something like that. So it's the narrative style changes That's are really cool. very fun to see. Yeah. Um, just the main characters. Can you just... fast forward through the main character stuff? If Ugh, he shows up so much. Uh, it's just like watching paint dry. It's like, <laughs> you know where it's going to go. It, yeah, it just sounds very basic. Yeah. Um, but anything outside of him is a lot of fun. Very cool. Um, so yeah, Daybreak was a lot of fun. I wish they advertised it like that because that's not really how it's advertised. It's not. Um, they did a weird thing. I don't know. Again, algorithms. <laughs> where they show you like, okay... A trailer featuring the main character. Mm. But they made like five other trailers for other characters in the series. Mm-hmm. And so depending on what you saw, you don't really know who the main character is. So okay. that's how they presented that show. That's interesting, I guess. That's something. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would, I guess I recommend it. Okay. Um, another thing I checked out was, uh, what is it? Oh, Watchmen on HBO. Oh, yeah. I've had a lot of people ask if I've seen it, and I have not. It is very good. Okay. Um, it is 100% supposing that you know the story of Watchmen. Ooh, that's too bad, because I don't know anything. <laughs> or, you know what? This is me coming at it from someone that's that really likes comic book mm-hmm. and has seen the movie, and I'm okay with the movie. Never um, seen it. It is a sequel to that story. Whether you've seen the movie or read the book, it picks up. 30 years after that. Do you think I could watch it and understand what's happening? 100%. Okay, cool. Um, They set up a a story where in which it's like, okay, there are going to be elements from the old thing in this, Mm -hmm. but you don't need to know about that to enjoy this. Terminator 2-ing it. They are Terminator 2-ing it. Nice. Like, okay, that happened, but we're redefining some things here. Okay. Um, Yeah, I think this is a strong contender for like a good HBO show that people will gravitate Mm. towards. What is... Them. Oh, this is a very broad question, but what is the Watchmen's deal? <laughs> um, it is a criticism slash, uh, I guess, different take on superheroes. Okay, it's like imagine looking at like a Justice League, mm. 
but it's all the other stuff like well how does a thing like that last imagine a justice league where no one had powers except one Ooh. and that one is god basically oh you can do anything do anything gotcha and what happens when god becomes disinterested what happens oh. when you know the war is literally at each other's throats mm-hmm. insofar as like a world war coming off like what do you do to stop that hmm. and the way that the, st- the structure of the story works it's like okay here's a grain of salt you think this grain of salt doesn't matter however here's how this grain of salt came to be and here's how this grain of salt flavors this food and here's how you're enjoying this meal it's it looks at a minuscule thing that you think doesn't matter and then expands from there you really got me with this food analogy <laughs> Sounds delicious. Um, it is delicious. It is a worthwhile show to watch. How many episodes? Um, right now, it's only three episodes, but it's going to oh, be like gotcha. a ten-episode season or something like, like that. Like an hour each? An hour each. Okay. Yeah, like any typical HBO drama. Um, any actors I would recognize? Uh, yeah, Regina King. Love it. Um, Don Johnson. Oh. Um, Just what I was looking for. <laughs> uh, Louis Gossett Jr. Um He's from Officer and Gentleman, Iron Eagle. Um, who else is in this thing? Uh, ooh, Tim, oh, yeah. Okay. Tim Blake Nelson. Um, Jeremy Irons. Tim Blake Nelson. He's a character actor. Yes, yeah. I know him. Okay. He's the most Southern man imaginable. <laughs> <laughs> he's good. He's always good in whatever he's in. And it's very, this feels very different from him where you're like very much creeped out by him. But like he's a good guy. Okay. Like he's like, oh, you're a cop. He's often kind of a creepy guy, unfortunately, he, in things. He feels like a big old creep in this, but like mm-hmm. you trust him, however. Okay. It's like, you know, you have you're weird. We're gonna do the right thing. Okay. Um but it's good. It's a it's a it's a building mystery that I'm very curious to see where it goes. Mm. Okay. Um yeah. And other HBO things premiered as well. Um Silicon Valley came back. Never seen it. Um and a new show, uh, Miss Fletcher. Um, oh, yeah, with your girl. Starring Catherine Hahn. Yeah. Um, very excited to see where the show goes. Um, two episodes in, it's really good so far. The basic premise being uh, this is a woman kind of going through empty nest syndrome. Mm-hmm. Like, her whole life is devoted to just raising her son. And now her son's off at college. Mm-hmm. And her son's a gigantic jerk. Oh, no. And she doesn't really realize it. She's like, oh, no, my son's great. Like, you know, I care about him so much. Like, her son's her baby to her. Parental blindness. Yeah. yeah. But she doesn't realize how big of a jerk he is. Mm. And, like, she's just kind of figuring out, like, well, what is my life when I'm not being a mom? Mm. And, like, just kind of just trying to figure it out. Like, so do I do I date people now? Do I watch porn? I watch porn. I watch a lot of porn now. That's Fuck what I do. Yeah. Like, she's just kind of figuring out her life again. Mm. But they do spend a lot of time on her son, too. Oof. And it just feels like... It feels like they're setting him up to hit a point where it's like, you need to change who you are as a person mm. to survive in this world. Because right now, things are still going great for him. Like, yeah, I'm still, like, you know, sleep with tons of chicks, drinking, like, getting through classes really easily. It's like, somewhere along the line, you're going to hit a wall. It's going to hurt. Oh, I hope so. So it feels like they're building him up for that. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I really like it. Um, I want to see more of it. Nice. Yeah. I'm looking forward to um, pretty much the only reason I think I'm keeping HBO is because they're doing the Golden Compass series. I don't care about that at all. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't care about <laughs> the thing you just said with your girl, Catherine Hahn. So whatever, Jason. <laughs> I, I was looking at the trail. I was like, I know Jax cares a lot about this. I, <laughs> Yeah, I do. 
<laughs> God damn. <laughs> the thing is, like, I never read the books. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I thought you were, like, a fan of those books. No. Like, the, the, never, his dark I materials. tried. It's, I think, I don't know how old I was at the time. It was a little too young adulty for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't particularly... The writing style, I just couldn't get past. Okay. Not that it was necessarily bad, but oh, I don't want to sound like a dick. You don't have to be an amazing writer to write young adult fiction. Okay. Um, and I felt that I'm quite picky about what I read. Somewhere out there, Suzanne Collins is loading her gun. She is getting... <laughs> but the thing is, I liked... I still read those. The story was enough for me. Mm-hmm. To read all the, I mean, I read all those books. We are both fans of the Maze Runner. Of, of I read all the <laughs> books, Jason. I pre-ordered one, maybe. <laughs> I needed to know how it ended. <laughs> so I don't know why those are, books were good enough. Maybe I'll go back and try to read the Golden Compass series. Um, the movie was okay. Um, I think given the technology that we now have Mm -hmm. it uh lends itself to you know having these animals and stuff in there they're all cgi'd Mm -hmm. um it was okay there but not great nicole kinman i guess she was good in it i don't know it just wasn't quite hidden it for me i'm glad they're taking another chance on it yeah because it you know how like chronicles of narnia was like oof that didn't work i like the first movie and the third movie a lot they that's such a well-known and beloved series Mm -hmm. that i wanted them to lord of the rings it but they didn't yeah they chronicles of narnia did (laughs) and i think the golden compass series it came afterwards so technology was a little better i think the overall quality was maybe a bit better than that Mm -hmm. but it still didn't quite work so i'm hoping that they figured it out with this one the cast is pretty impressive yeah so i'm for that cast yeah um so i'm looking forward to it yes i got little manuel miranda in it Mm -hmm. um james mcavoy james mcavoy uh the girl from luther who was always very smirky she's like a dark-haired version of um natalie dormer (laughs) They're both very, okay. they're yeah. both very smirky, beautiful yeah. smirkies. Um, so the girl yeah. from Logan, little girl from Logan. Oh yes, yeah, she's what a phenomenal actress. She's really good. Oh my god, I will have only seen her in this and Logan. Yeah, but I can't wait to see her in this. Like, um, but no, I, and <laughs> Professor X teaming up with another Wolverine again. <laughs> I see, pretty cool. Um, no, I'm, I'm. I'm not curious about it because, like, I don't know. I feel I like it doesn't. Know, Jason, it sounds like maybe you are. It doesn't scratch my Come itch on, per Jason. se. Come on. But like, I it'll will make you watch it, it you little shit. <laughs> <laughs> you threatened me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, make her watch it. Fine, I will check out. Uh, it's not called the Golden Compass. It's not it? exactly earnest, scared, stupid. Okay, give me a fucking break. <laughs> You'll probably enjoy it. That was the, that was forty episodes ago. I don't care. I'm still scarred from that. <laughs> You're still scarred, stupid. Shut your mouth! <laughs> How dare you mock my pain, my fear? Ugh. Of all the things I've asked you to watch, that's perhaps the worst. Yeah. Ugh. Followed a close second by Cube Two Hypercube. 
That was the second episode. Oh, and two successions. Yeah. You hit me while I was down with the hypercube. <laughs> oh, my God. Awful. An awful movie. You know what? Uh, we talked about this last episode uh, in the tall grass. It's cube to hypercube, but with grass, and it's not good. You're giving some invisible figure a look. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't feel bad for you. <laughs> now you know my pain. That's just not, it's not it's not good in tall grass again i'll say it, it's not a good movie but uh, <laughs> um don't care i'm glad you watched it of the things i've asked you to watch most recently i mm. asked you to watch dracula 2000 yes which i had forgotten about like a jerk i still have <laughs> half an hour left <laughs> i was watching it this morning praying that nobody was watching me watching it like why is this girl so intently watching this very old movie you know, she's got deep-seated emotional problems. oh my lord <laughs> um it's, uh, I don't know, because I'm watching it in various different sittings of like this morning and then at lunch and then <laughs> after work. Um, I don't want to say it's plotless, but it's just. It is. You're not wrong. <laughs> Again, I, I was telling you about this when I was like, this is a big old play of shit. Like, do you want it? It's better than Cube 2 Hypercube. <laughs> <laughs> and it's better than freaking Ernest Scared Stupid. So, yeah. Sure. Okay. It's got a lot of people popping up. Yes, it does. It's got a Shane West. A young it's Shane West. It's got a Nathan Fillion as a priest. I forgot Nathan Fillion is in yes. there. Like, looking s- very thin in the very face. Very thin in the face, yes. Thin in the face. Yes, I agree. <laughs> Glad we agree on this. <laughs> um, there's, who's the news reporter lady? The blonde lady. Jerry Ryan. The, I knew it was Jerry something. Yep, mm-hmm. she's in there. Um. Sean Patrick Thomas from Save the Last Dance. Oh, yep, he is in there. Omar Epps getting his little head chopped off, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. By Johnny Lee Miller. <laughs> My man, Johnny Lee Miller. <laughs> doing a different accent than his real accent. I don't know why they made it a rougher London accent. Is it weird that I know his accent? Shut up, Jason. No, I'm okay with that. I just didn't realize that was not his true accent. That's not his real accent. Oh, God. Or if it is, he's changed it since. Because it's not, (laughs) it's like, I I know this is probably the wrong term, but it's a little rougher. It's a little more Mm Cockney-ish than uh, his slightly more polished one now. Okay. Why this choice was made, I do not know. Maybe it was because it was a little on the heels of train spotting. I'm not sure. But Chain Spotty's Scottish. Yeah. But he's trying know. to keep him like rough. kind of a rough and tumble guy. Yeah. But he's not from this world. He doesn't understand Who's it. <laughs> an antique stealer. <laughs> and he said. From the streets. At one point after chopping off Omar Epps' head, don't fuck with an antique stealer. Jason, I so I had it on mute during this fight scene. Mm-hmm. And I also had the closed captions on. When I saw that copy pop up i purposely turn up the volume to hear him say that i don't know why but i was like this is kind of yeah this turned me out a little bit i like him tough he looks so good he's got a nice like short haircut going on like a little bit of a season and he has a little more hair than he does now oh yeah for sure um shut up <laughs> he's still beautiful he's so beautiful um uh, Christopher Plummer slumming it. I don't know why he's oh, in this for movie. For sure, slumming it. He didn't need the money, nor did he need to I be in this. I don't know why he's in this. I think he's he doing Dra- a good job. I think he saw like Dracula on the screen, like ah, finally a chance to <laughs> <laughs> enact one of the greatest literary characters oh, of Bram. all time. Mm. <laughs> ah, yes, Bram Stoker, of course. <laughs> so, what do we do the musical version? Yes, two two thousand what? <laughs> <laughs> Draw <Gerard> who? <laughs> 
<laughs> Virgin Megastore. Why are there so many of them in this film? <laughs> the it's, Virgin Megastore is featured very prominently several there's times. There's a lot. Or Richard Branson probably funded this movie out of pocket. <laughs> <laughs> it's in there so much. And like, at some point it seems like they're trying to uh, connect like her like um, kind of like purity and naivety about what's going on with the virgin thing but like no guys are that's you not... looking for representation of like this is not <laughs> where symbolism comes into play you symbolism idiots is not, in the, not in this movie <laughs> leave that at the door it's not like she's 12 years old like she's like a mid 20 year old woman yeah living in new orleans yep <laughs> like um it stars gerard butler's hair and gerard butler <laughs> his hair's out of control that hair. in the good way <laughs> this and movie. i think it's his oh yeah that's his like it's a lot of hair because if you remember it's um, a mane of hair <laughs> rain mm. of fire a couple of years later he's also rocking a very similar like long locked look not quite as much mm-hmm. but yes oh i'm familiar jason <laughs> i owned that movie <laughs> i'm sure did. Yeah, dragons gerard butler christian bale a shirtless mcconaughey what else do you want <laughs> like from a film <laughs> mcconaughey at his craziest at his craziest he is bonkers <laughs> in that film shaved oh. totally bald. shaved oof. he was you know what i think he it's was like s- swinging for like a brad pitt 12 monkeys in that oh, and he's like okay. this is gonna get me something not nah, bro no. No, dude. No. But to his credit, he committed fully. He went all he the did. way. <laughs> he really did. Whew. Um, classic Rain of Fire tangent. Sorry. <laughs> um, if this is your first time listening to this show, <laughs> we do that pretty often. <laughs> all right? More often than literally anyone else. We're kind of in the pocket right now. Talking about Gerard Butler and uh, oh, Rain of Fire. <laughs> Gerard Butler, at least... Uh, an hour and ten minutes into this film has about two lines. Um, <laughs> doesn't speak. He doesn't, he doesn't speak. His speak. hair speaks for him. <laughs> um, he looks very young. It barely even looks like him. I think I'm used to seeing him with like facial hair, so to see him yeah. that young and without it is weird. It's like he's very smooth. You think he's a mute, but like you said, <laughs> his hair speaks far more for him than words ever could. Oh my goodness. Um, I'm... I don't know if excited's the right word to describe how I feel about finishing this movie. I will say this. You mentioned that there's a twist. There's a twist. And I was, what, like 13 when I saw this movie? This is a perfect movie for a 13-year-old. It really is a perfect movie for a 13-year-old boy. Also, Vitamin C is there. I have yet to see. You've seen Vitamin C in this movie. That's her. That's the girl's roommate. The main girl. That's Vitamin C? Vitamin C. Oh, girl. She bangs Gerard Butler on the ceiling. <laughs> I forgot to bring up the. As I see your mind melt out oh of your my eyes God. right now. I can't believe that was vitamin C. <laughs> that is not how I remembered her. No, graduation friends forever. That's how I remembered her. Because well, her hair is weird in this movie. It's not like crazy orange. No, like but it it's normally also just is. not a great haircut slash color. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which is surprising because she obviously makes great hair choices. <laughs> um, her whole persona is based on the hair color. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, they have sex starting off in the bed. But he's a Dracula. But he's a vampire. (laughs) And they end up twisting in the air. Mm -hmm. Which, you know what? Looked okay. (laughs) I was like, all right, I get it. It's pretty, he seems like he knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He's, it's not his first time doing aerial sex. No. Uh, 
not nearly as terrible as cube to hypercube <laughs> where they're floating around and doing whatever sped up through time okay that was truly horrific <laughs> truly whereas this was like all right <laughs> i'm really glad i was not on the train for that one because i would have gotten some looks mm-hmm. um or some guys being like yeah <laughs> gerard nice oh vitamin c yeah <laughs> vitamin c dope <laughs> <laughs> um it is a bizarro movie uh, that doesn't make any, really, any sense. Honestly. There's barely a plot. Can't wait to see how it ends. It all rests for me at the at that age on a twist. Where okay. it's like, that makes perfect, mythologically, mythologically, <laughs> that makes perfect sense, alright? <laughs> like, a 13-year-old me wanted to get on a soapbox and just tell everybody, did you know that Dracula is this person? Like, it was just, it worked for me at that age. It really did. I would like you to see the end of this movie. Oh, I'm going to watch it on the way home. <laughs> and then you're going to get probably rapid fire a lot of text messages from me. Like, at this age, I don't think the twist holds water, maybe. But, man. We've discussed how I'm easily impressed by a twist. <laughs> no matter what. You might go with this one. I th- and The it, village. <laughs> you know? It explains a lot of Dracula's foibles. This twist. I love that you use the word foibles in the same sentence as Dracula. Slash weaknesses. <laughs> He's Dracula's just a regular guy, all right? He has his good days, his bad days, are his ups, his downs, his human weaknesses, all right? I just realized, where did he get the clothes from? Uh, he stole the jacket off of Danny Masterson. Oh, okay. And maybe the shirt off of uh, John Patrick. Okay. Uh, so, uh, what luck that they fit him perfectly. I mean... <laughs> Who knew that they were all the same size? It's like the sisterhood of the traveling jacket. <laughs> <laughs> the brother of the traveling duster. Um, oh, yeah. Danny Masterson is in it. Mm-hmm. Which, like, he... Jennifer Esposito. Who, oh, I forgot yeah. Oh, how my beautiful. gosh. She's so pretty. She's so pretty. And she, like, she's going at that role. Oh, for sure. She's, like, super betraying. Whatever happened to her? She still does things. Okay. But, like, I think she's on um, Blue Bloods right now. Oh, okay. Which is, like, a very popular show that I've only ever seen at, Isn't like, that? 2 in the morning on CBS. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best time to watch it. Why watch it CBS at 2 in the morning? <laughs> wow. Yeah, for real. <laughs> That's for another episode. <laughs> um, is that the one that J-Lo's on? Um, no, that's she's a different a, show. Isn't she on a cop show? She is on a cop show. Or was like, on a cop show. I don't know if she's still on there. Like, J-Lo, what are you doing? Whatever she wants. You're married to A-Rod. Surely you do not need the money. Also, I appreciate that they both have, like, name abbreviations of, like, letters. J-Rod. And also, she has never needed any man or any other man's money. No, of course not. I would submit that she may be richer than (laughs) A-Rod. I don't know if he's still doing... He must have endorsement deals still, I'm sure. Maybe. Maybe. But now I'm just really pondering their paychecks. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's quite a cast. It's it, it's surprisingly like the early two thousands greatest players slash hits. It's you, you'd be surprised at this cast, uh, listener. <laughs> um, okay, yeah. So I'll finish tonight, and I'll be texting you probably a lot. I cannot wait. I'll probably be surprised by the twist like an idiot. <laughs> like, oh my god, that was amazing. <laughs> Didn't see it coming at all. In that voice, yeah. <laughs> all caps. <laughs> Um, 
for my assignment. Yes. Uh, you gave me the DVDs. Oh, sorry, the Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> people get very specific about it, and I've been corrected in public before about this. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so for all those out there, I just want to just make straight Blu-rays, not DVDs. Oh, Lord. Um, however, I watched uh, The Hobbit. Uh, I only was going to have you watch the first one. I, I did both. I doubled I up. I figured I was hedging my bet <laughs> that you might be so into it that you watch the second one. It's six hours of movie. <laughs> yeah, because I gave you the extended version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm a firm believer that Peter Jackson uh, needs to have uh, an editor with him at all times. <laughs> like one would have a probation officer. I don't uh, actually know what scenes are in there that are not in the theatrical version. I couldn't tell you. I have no um, idea. I know the original like Lord of the Rings DVDs were good about like you can watch it in either the original version or the extended version. You could that, you couldn't do that in this one. Um, it just played straight oh. through like the uh, when I hit play, it's like oh here's the full version of this movie. Interesting. Uh, maybe there's an option on yeah, there because I remember at least yeah for like the Lord of the Rings ones like the, you can choose between like theatrical version and like extended. Mm-hmm. Hmm, okay. So maybe this one has it. I didn't see that option on there. Um, but I watched uh, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, mm-hmm. and uh, The Hobbit, uh, The Desolation of Smog. Mm-hmm. Um, in watching The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, I really enjoyed it overall. Right. Really liked the experience. Um, but in watching it, I just, I knew that uh, Guillermo del Toro was supposed to be the original director on it. Ooh, that'd be a very different movie. And, and I was just, just, I couldn't get it out of my head, like, what would this movie have been had he directed it? He remained on as like an executive producer oh. on the films. But it's just like you are you have the capacity for great whimsy yes. and great darkness. Yes. And Peter Jackson is much better telling an epic tale across like, you know, many movies as mm-hmm. he did with like, you know, Lord of the Rings. And Guillermo del Toro is good at telling a fairy tale mm-hmm. as opposed to an epic poem. Mm-hmm. And The Hobbit's a fairy tale. And I'm just very curious of how he would have handled that. And like the details of the world and the way it looks and all that stuff, and I would have—I'm just very curious what that of that would have mm. looked like. Um, but that aside, um, it was fun to see certain characters again. Like, oh, that's Elijah. What is Frodo? Like in new scenes. Like I didn't expect you to be here. And he hasn't aged today. It has not aged one day. Maybe he really does have the the Ring of Power. Oh. <laughs> um, and I was like, it was very pleasant to see him in like that opening scene. Um, why can't I remember his name? Um, Ian Holm, who oh, plays yeah. older mm-hmm. Frodo, also looked pretty good. Bilbo. Uh, Bil- excuse me, Bilbo. Um, also looked pretty good. For, yeah, um, you know, totally. And that movie came out in 2013, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but the narrative device, the way they, they're telling the story is, is, is as if uh, Bilbo is writing letters to Frodo. And I wish they maintained that throughout. I wish he was like a narrator that would jump in really? every time and just like, well, here's how things went, you know, when I met the dwarves. I just wanted more of that. But it's I a different I wonder if device. that would take you out of it at all or if that would really add something to it. I guess. I don't That'd know. That'd be interesting. For me, just to establish it as being a bit more different than like, you know, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Because yeah. okay. if, you know, we're opening up with a framing device of like, this is a letter to my nephew. Like I think I, it's it, I don't think it's a letter so much as he's just writing the book writing the book I yeah. guess yeah and Frodo's like they're reading it yeah. and I just wish we like went back to that a bit more because hmm. this is a story you know it's a story that someone's telling a tall tale kind yeah. of um I thought the dwarves looked again I haven't seen this <laughs> since I saw um Battle of the Five Armies in mm-hmm. 2015 the dwarves look ridiculous but again whimsy like yeah. it's supposed to be like lighter and funnier um I don't know why the hell they made. All the doors look so interesting and different and weird, except for Feely, who's just a guy. 
Like that's just a handsome man. Yeah, he is. <laughs> like that's yeah, he is, Jason. all that is. He's got like a little bit of stubble going on. Mm-hmm. Every other dwarf has like a full beard, braids. You know, mm-hmm. even Thorn, who was like a handsome man, mm-hmm. like is dwarf looking. I just realized why I like this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they do an amazing job of like forced perspective and like you know having everyone in the scene without any other extras or like you know who are shorter than the average individual Mm -hmm. they do a great job with costuming and make everyone like look swallowed in their clothes as if they are dwarves and whatnot um and i love the like them hitting the beats of like the the famous points of the hobbit you know them being the trolls Mm -hmm. um them going to the goblin city i loved seeing smeagol slash Gollum again uh and his interaction with bilbo i felt such pity for that character and they make him look even more like an animal because they give him like eye shine like yes, when you see like, yes, a cat like in the cat. dark yeah 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 it's like oh no like, oh, this yeah, poor creature that. that's a great that whole scene is really mm-hmm. really great and like they do a great job of, like reminding you like this guy's a hobbit he used to be at least because hmm. like they're trading riddles but it's like yeah. you were told the same stories as kids like this is all the same stuff yeah. that you would know and it's just like you're so much more similar than you would even know um I just really, really enjoyed that part. I, I, they chose the perfect actor, Martin Freeman, to portray right? Bilbo. Oh, it's perfection. It is, I feel this is the most Martin Freeman Martin Freeman's been in a yeah. movie. Where it's just like, you're kind of a dick, but like, man, you're trying your best. Like, and you're like, to, you step up when they need you to. Yeah. You're clever. You're kind of a curmudgeon. Mm-hmm. You're a little bit awkward, but sweet. Yeah. Yeah, he's perfect. Like, you see, and you're, you're true to your word. You sign yeah. a contract and you're there to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. Um, Gandalf, he is one of one of my favorite characters from anything. However, it is just weird to see in this film. It just feels like he is controlling everything from behind the scenes. Not so much as like I am in control of it, but just using words and influence to just like edge things to the way that he wants them to be. It's a weird. I did find that whenever I was watching it, it's odd in that he. It's hard to tell what he does and doesn't know. Yeah. Because you assume he knows, kind of knows everything. Mm -hmm. But then he's also going off to Saruman and he doesn't know. Uh, And yet he does seem to know certain things with the Hobbit. So it's like, I don't think it's necessarily clear, which it doesn't necessarily have to be, but um, the extent of his knowledge about what exactly is going on right but then there's there's things where it's like okay the east is getting powerful the east being mordor Mm -hmm. like i'm going to help thorn oakenshield out to reclaim his home um which has been taken over by smog but it's not just to help him retake his home because that's the right thing it's like we need to build up our defenses in the east and get rid of those dragons yeah because if you know if sauron gets a dragon that's bad news for everybody but also we have a stronghold in the east to look to when we need help and he, he has to owe us one if I help him get his home back. Which just feels like, yes, I understand you're preparing for the coming war, but at the same time, it doesn't feel real Gandalf of you, man. Like, it doesn't feel like very, like... It's it's like not knowing the extent of a superhero's powers. I don't yeah. need the extent of his knowledge and the extent of his character, really. Of mm-hmm. Maybe it's, you're supposed to. He's not necessarily all good or all bad. He's right. just... He's doing his mysterious, best. and I think what he's doing is for the greater good. Yes, but to some degree, it feels it feels a manipulation because he's not yes. telling them one hundred percent because it is. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, even even Bill will being there. Mm. It's like 
absolutely want you on this because like you need an adventure to get you out of your home and like you know make you a stronger person all that stuff but really hobbits are kind of resistance to evil and just like you know you have a good chance of like you know not being swayed one way or the other so right. i want to bring you along as an insurance policy mm-hmm. like dude come on just tell them that <laughs> like, let them know that like you know halflings like you know have a good resistance to like you know temptation so you being here on this kind of thing would be very helpful tell them that and maybe you'd be like okay cool like mm-hmm. pay me a little bit more on this contract <laughs> but uh, i'll go um, but I like that, you know, when he steps up to save Thorin at the end of it, when yeah. he's being attacked by, like, the orcs. And by the time we get to the Battle of Five Armies, those orcs do not look imposing at all, as opposed no. to, like, guys in suits. CGI does not work well in their favor in this yeah. for the bad guys. Um, but I, you know, enjoyed them chasing, being chased down by the orcs and, like, the last stand on the tree and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I... Bilbo stepping up and like you know saving Thorin and Thorin finally coming around to like Bilbo Mm. because the entire movie is like why is this guy here like he sucks he can't fight (laughs) he has no shoes (laughs) like he's He's a hanky (laughs) he is definitely a Londoner (laughs) like he's just like very anti him but ultimately when you know even leading up to that but when he finally like jumps into like the first to like attack an orc and like defend him it's like okay all it takes is saving his life literally to get him to come around literally throwing himself cool, in yeah, the Thorin's jaws of death yeah. <laughs> Thorin is a dick like and that yeah, he's a dick revisited many times yeah. throughout um but then we jump forward to um uh Des- desolation of smog mm-hmm. um i don't like Legolas in this movie. I mean, he shouldn't be there. Like from what, yeah, from what I understand, he's not in the the Hobbit at no, all. Not at all. And it's just like, well, we need to throw some more reason for people to show up to this. It's like yeah. the reason is it's the Hobbit, man. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, but Orlando Bloom playing Legolas again, again, has an age a day. <laughs> um, but him being there, just like, why give him so many speaking lines? <laughs> Legolas was a pretty just mute. shut your mouth and <laughs> stare off into the distance. Like, use your elf eyes and look into forever. That's it. Shoot an arrow every now yeah. and then. Um, and again, like, oh, that's why they made Philly the cute one. Because Evangeline Lily eventually has to bang him. Like, okay, fine. Um, I wanted more from Smog. Like, Same. I, uh, he was built up to me, not by you, by just like other people, in, like in his presence on screen. Well, when it's called the desolation of Smaug, you think he's gonna fuck shit up, and you just, uh, yeah, no, you expect more screen time, more interactions, or something. Like, show me the fear of a dragon, like why yeah. this is a serious problem, mm-hmm. and why this thing needs to be taken down. Because, of course, he can just light shit on fire. Right. I want to see... I want to see how smart he is. Right. I want to see him go head-to-head a little bit more. Yeah, I don't know... I'm not positive how I'd utilize him more, but it was disappointing to not. Especially when, at least when it was in theaters, I think the first movie ends with like his eye opening. Mm-hmm. And you're like, holy no, shit. It did end with the eye I cannot movie. wait to see the next movie. It's called A Desolation of Smog, so we know a lot of shit's going to happen with them. And it really doesn't. Because that's what the book is about. Hey, beat this dragon to get yeah. your kingdom back. And like, you went on this grand adventure. You met a dragon, now you're back home. Yeah, but you don't get as much as you'd like. Not at all. And honestly, the actual fight with Smog doesn't happen until the third movie. Yeah, totally. And then that even happens in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. 
and it's just not at all entertaining like the entire like heart of it is taken out yeah um and i wanted to i don't know i expected more of like benedict cumberbatch and him interact with martin freeman of course the history of them being together on sherlock for so long Mm -hmm. and benedict cumberbatch's voice is so modulated yes as smog that you just sound good you don't get it's like why you could have gotten any actor to portray this like i don't see him being here being making this better although apparently they use like you know the whole face scanning technology and like motion capture to portray smoke and i think he's trying to and i understand the choice Mm -hmm. i guess but he's trying to sound more Mm snake-ish which is why he like elongates and really hangs on some words Mm -hmm. and kind of hisses them but it just ends up sounding weird and i just want you to scare me Mm. now you kind of sound silly yeah and the whole thing with the necromancer, like, there's not enough of it there to for it to make any sense. It's, like, why are you introducing this character that shows up, like, three times and is just, like, this, what could be really scary, but you don't utilize it and it ends up, like, you didn't really need it there at all. It's side plot to set up the Lord of the Rings. Right. And but it's like, like... You don't need it. We don't need that. And we already know... What happens in Lord of the Rings? Yeah. This is why we. This is why a lot of people are here to see this movie. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, okay, when we get to Lord of the Rings, it seems like Gandalf has little to no knowledge that the Witch King is back in business. I never thought about it. Yeah, it's true. It's like he would have better prepared Frodo and Aragorn. Like, mm-hmm. hey, it's actually like the the Witch King and like you know the the Wraiths yeah. who are going to be pursuing you. We get to Lord of the Rings. No, he doesn't know that at all. Mm, that's true. Um, also, I was reading The Lord of the Rings recently, and I think it does make a little bit more sense based on what you just said. The amount of time that Frodo, yeah, Frodo holds on to that ring mm-hmm. when Gandalf's like going off and trying to figure out what's going on. It's like 10 years. It's like, yeah, it's 10 years <laughs> as opposed to like overnight. Yeah. Like, oh, that in now with that this makes much more sense like gandalf comes off as like a layabout stoner in the movie sometimes where it's like i don't actually live anywhere bro could you hold on to this work for me real quick like while i go and take care of some business over here he's just all over the place (laughs) and you don't feel like he really has a plan he has half of one and i would not feel confident going into something with him yeah it's like are you gonna remember to come back though (laughs) it's like i really need you to come back it's like, I was, I'll, I'll say this, I was very happy to see um, Radagast the Brown. Yeah, he was great. Like, I was, I like the character he's in the so books. He's so charming and it's sweet. It's like, oh, he's the animal wizard. Like, yeah. I can't wait to see what he does. But I just don't like that they had him, like, basically with bird crap on the side of his the face. The bird poop is too much. It's like, this is, you've taken any kind of seriousness away from this character. Yes. You've undermined his abilities. For which sure. he does have. So, like, please don't make him look like this half-demented <laughs> Yeah. Unkempt person with bird poop on his face. Like, I'm okay with him being more interested in animals and humans. Totally. You could just have the bird nest under the hat. Just don't have the poop. Make the hat the bird nest. That's also funny. Great. But don't just have him with poop run down the side of his face. It's too much. That's like, ugh, it's not funny. Yeah, I agree. Um, And yeah, at the end of that movie where in which, you know, Smog flies off to go and ruin, uh, what is it, Lake Town? Yep. Oh, that's how the second movie ends. Mm-hmm. He gets out of there. Okay. And then we meet uh, Bart the Bowman and whatnot. Right. But mm-hmm. Luke Evans. Mm. 
<laughs> but I feel like we don't even get to spend a lot of time with him per se. No. Um, and Thorne just reverts to being a dick. Yep. Like halfway through that movie and does not stop. Is nope. relentless about it. Yep. <laughs> about being a jerk. And it's just like I mean, which they set up to a certain degree in that, mm-hmm. like, yes, the wealth um, kind of destroys them and stuff mm-hmm. or corrupts them. But yeah, it's still. You get glimpses of him being cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't remember in the books if he was that much of a jerk. Do you? Um, not really. I mean, in, in so much as like other people were, like I guess, kind of like Boromir was in the sense mm. of like, I really want this because it's important to me and my family. Yeah, more so than like being hypnotized by like wealth or power. Um, and I get that from the ring. Mm-hmm. But I guess dwarves have a certain thing just about money and wealth in general. I'd be a dwarf. <laughs> I'd, I'd be like a a cross between a dwarf and a hobbit in that like, I like to eat a lot and I like money. <laughs> and it would corrupt me, I feel like. There's a look in your eye and the way you said that, just like, fuck yeah, yeah. that's where I want to be. Give me all the food. <laughs> leave me alone. I'm just going to assume my little trough of gold <laughs> what would you be um i don't know i think i'd be either a hobbit or a man like <laughs> i forgot that man was a choice you know what they're not featured in this movie very much at no. all like except for like lake town but like it's true and again if we're setting a, a lot of this movie does we like set it to lord of the rings and the lord of the rings is all about you know man coming into prominence mm-hmm. in middle earth it's like we shouldn't have shouldn't you at least hint to that here if if you're so concerned with propping up the Lord of the Rings. And, yeah. Like, hmm. I don't know. But um, that aside... I uh, think you'd be a hobbit. Probably. You're a very peaceful, mm-hmm. chill person. I like being at home. I don't know. <laughs> That's fair. Um, And what's his face? Uh, Lee Pace. Man, I hated him in this movie. He's so handsome. His character. Not yeah. him. But like, oh, screw he's this so guy. beautiful. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I disagree. I don't Ex- think he's a handsome man at all. What? I gotta disagree with you. On you that mean one. like in the movie? In the movie, yeah. Like those brows are too much for that. Hey, face. Hey, <laughs> those are his brows. You leave that alone. I think it's probably because it's such a stark contrast between having like bushy, dark eyebrows with like this bright blonde hair. Yeah. Because normally, like, yes, I guess they're bigger than average, but I don't think you notice as much. But because it's such like a sleek blonde hair. Mm-hmm. It's a, there's a lot going on. (laughs) He's still handsome. Um, Yeah, I don't know. At one point there was uh, talk that he and Richard Armitage were dating. Really? Yeah, which I think is very cute. Like, oh, you guys really came. a handsome sandwich. Right? (laughs) Oh my God. Ugh. Mm. Like, um. Just the two of them riding around on a moose or whatever the fuck. (laughs) Being cute. The Aww. moose was too much for me. Like I know he rides it in like the books and all that stuff, but I was just like, come it's, on. <laughs> it's not a regal animal. It's so It looks odd. <sighs> Antlers do not make it regal. Like I get you guys are like, you know, the wood elves, but like something else. A big deer, a stag. That's more that regal. Makes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but the moose is just too much for me. Yeah, they're a little goofy. Um Yeah, I in I guess in summation. The Hobbit, uh, the first one, way more enjoyable yeah. than uh, the second. I think for both, like with the Fellowship of the Ring too, it's just because they start off lighter mm-hmm. and sweeter. 
it's easier to like them because yeah. you're really just kind of drawn into the world and things are happy for a, a hot minute yeah before it all goes to hell because like lord of the rings is really the march to war like mm. you know what the end will be like just based on like they're going to wind up at that mountain eventually mm-hmm. like and we're starting in such like a serene place um while the hobbit it's like he re- it's all about there and back again he goes has an adventure returns home it's like the finality is the starting point and i you just look feel- bothered by that I'm I'm just bothered by the fact that like well actually it's all a bigger story about how it connects to like you know this grander tale. It's like mm. no, it's his story. It's Bilbo's story, like not Thorin, like not Gandalf, not the necromancer. Mm. It's Bilbo. It should be centered around him and his adventures and his perspective. They're for the little guy. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, that's okay. how I felt about it. Cool. Well, I'm glad you generally enjoyed it yeah yeah yeah. and again i enjoyed uh you know desolation of smog just was not my favorite yeah that's fair so about about all the fire armors oh yeah everything's better than that i saw it twice in 3d both times oh god jason i spent so much money on it it's like 40 dollars in that movie (laughs) you didn't see it with me i did see it with you one time you did yeah oh jason i'm Mm -hmm. sorry (laughs) i think we both walked out of that like woof Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. I remember that, I'm yeah. sorry. Well. Well, it wasn't your fault that I saw it again. That's all on me. Good. Cool. <laughs> That's all oh, on so me. Oh, so you saw it with me the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're crazy for seeing it again <laughs> in 3D. Yep. Again. My fault. You're a masochist. A terrible date. <laughs> <laughs> it was a date? Yep. Oh, that's such a long one. I know. <sighs> that's real dumb. 2014 was no 2015 why was i doing that in 2015 jesus christ anyway oh jason it happened okay but things for next time yes um i had uh an idea for you okay um a far more simple tale <laughs> um than uh <laughs> dracula 2000 i, I don't think ha- it'd get much simpler to be honest there's not much <laughs> happening in this movie you're just trying to get Dracula. <laughs> the end. Um, I would have you watch uh, Band of Robbers on Netflix. Band of Robbers. Mm-hmm. On um, it is like a modern retelling of like the, st- the story of Tom Sawyer, basically. Interesting. Um, it's got a fun cast, um, and I think that you'd enjoy it. It's a comedy. It's it is a very fun comedy. Who's in it? Um, geez, the main actors are very recognizable. I cannot remember the names at the top of my head. Okay. Um, but Hannah Barres is in it. Oh. Um, oh, so it's a recent movie. It's a recent movie from like uh, 2016, I think. Okay. Um, it's quite enjoyable. Um, but I do very much recommend it. Okay. Um, let's see. Um, I don't recognize these names except for Hannibal Buress. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's um, on Netflix. Okay. Um, did you see the movie Obvious Child? Yes, I did. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> well, that's, um, you got me. <laughs> um, okay, then I think you're gonna... I apologize because I don't think it's available on any streaming service for free. But neither was Dracula 2000. Yeah, it was. It was on Hulu. Uh uh. It's not there anymore. They took it off? I think so. I searched for it and it wasn't there. 
that's why I watched it on Hulu like two weeks ago. If it's there, I'm going to be pissed. I would never made you buy that. Not in a million years. I mean, I don't regret it. If we're going to be. Dracula. Yeah, no, it's not there. Well, that sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> then they took it off after Halloween times. Yeah, no, it must have been a Halloween thing. Hmm. Well, you're going to rent um, Penguins of Madagascar. <laughs> Fine by me. There's a lot of pop culture references I think you'll enjoy. Mm-hmm. The end. Okay. It's fun. <laughs> I can take that. It's a, it's a spy movie, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, with a lot of voices uh, of like Benedict Cumberbatch is in there. Okay. Being the least Benedict Cumberbatchy, which Playing I appreciate. Evil octopus, I imagine. No, that's um, uh, it's not Willem Dafoe, is it? It's one of those. Uh, sorry, white man blindness kicking in. <laughs> uh, it's one of those like scary older guys. Scary older white guy. Yeah, Got yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Either Jeremy Irons or perhaps Willem Dafoe, or maybe even my nemesis. No, it's not your nemesis. It's not James. Uh, James Vader. No. The enemy. <laughs> Satan himself. Um, penguins. Oh, who is it? Um, hold, please, as I look this up. Um, I'll, I'll find it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, fun. Okay. I think you'll like it. Um, why can't I find Diedrich Bader's in it? Love that guy. Cedric Yarbrough. Love that guy. Right? Um, Gary Cole. That guy's great. Love that guy too. A lot of, lot of dudes Wayne Knight. that Neil I Patrick. Like. Oh, wait. No, this is the show. <laughs> 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 Which, quite frankly, I also love. I watched that, uh, as Saturday morning cartoons when I was like 22. <laughs> <laughs> But cool. yes, Penguins of Madagascar. The movie. The movie, not the show. No. Although I might check the show. Although, Who knows? I'm not sure. It's been a great time. <laughs> All right. Okay. Cool, dude. All right. Well, we have our assignments. Uh, 40 episodes deep. Thank you for mm-hmm. uh, listening this far, if you have. Uh, if you haven't, well, it's too bad for you. <laughs> um, way to get listeners on board. <laughs> this show's antagonistic. 100% of the time. All the time, okay? It's like... Yes, right wing talk radio is almost. Oh, <laughs> um, I've been trying to do better about keeping up with Instagram and putting screenshots of the stuff that we talk about, so people, if they haven't seen it, at least maybe kind of have a reference. So for what we're talking about, find us on there visually. If you have not seen these things, at least it's, you can. Uh, o and R podcast at ins- on Instagram. Yeah. Um, so yeah, find us there, and uh, yeah, leave some comments. I don't know, respond to us. Uh, I apologize for the unfortunate um, quality of my Instagramming. I'm not good at it. <laughs> I try really hard, though. So, you know, find us there. A for effort. Um, listen to Bone Zone. Oh, Bone Zone. Yeah. Uh, second episode uh, recently up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, go listen to that if you enjoy Bones or if you don't like Bones. Um, it's it will, for both parties. It can parties satisfy you either way. <laughs> where we talk about the show Bones and, guys, we want a bone. If you're anti-calcium, if you're pro-calcium. <laughs> Also, a great source for you, okay? Do you like milk? Don't like milk? Suffering through osteoporosis? We do talk about milk <laughs> in the next episode, so, or episode two. <laughs> so, it's all there. Your one-stop shop 
for all things bones. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> nine out of ten uh, osteo doctors enjoy the show. The tenth one, dead. So, <laughs> thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye. <laughs>